Welcome to the fourth episode of Kissed by Fire, the podcast reaching its way to you from north of the wall. I am Steph Lioness. And I am B-Word. And we are uh, two spearwives who have been a teeny bit slow getting this episode out. Uh, for that, we apologize. I think Steph had grey plague. I, no, just the flu. And very sadly, Beth lost a family pet at the same time. And then it was Yuletide. Yes, we had to take some time to feast and be merry with our families, but we are happy to be back. We are. So this will be coming to you in early January. So a happy new year to you and all of yours. Mm-hmm. Happy new year. Uh, today we're going to be reading through two chapters of Fire and Blood. We shall. Uh, the first one is called Reign of the Dragon, the Wars of King Aegon the First. Mm-hmm. And we follow that with three heads had the dragon governance under King Aegon the First. Yeah, they might well be the most boring titles in the world yes they are pretty boring uh but there is a lot of action and intrigue in these chapters so boring titles don't let them sway you no don't switch off just hearing those titles to be fair george is not exactly the master of writing creative title names well technically it's boring because didn't technically archmaester gildane and he write it and yeah and archmaester gildane is uh a wee bit dry. Not very, yeah, dry. <laughs> not dry very wet. Uh, not wet. It's not wet at all. <laughs> um, dry Gildane. Um, the least wet man in the world. Uh, yes. So I'm trying to think. George doesn't really. John, Catelyn, Ed. too bad. Pardon? John, Catelyn, Eddard, Arya, Sansa. Yeah, that's his chapter true. titles. <laughs> sometimes he has funny ones. Sometimes. Like sometimes. The Soiled Knight. Yes. Yeah. Which sounds like something that happens to you when you sleep. In a nappy. <laughs> sounds like something <laughs> yeah, exactly. that happens in a diaper. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so before we start uh, on these super cool chapters, we should remind you of where you can find us on the internet and beyond. Mm-hmm. You can uh, contact us on Twitter at Kiss Podcast. And if you did want to send an email our way, you can do that at Kiss by Fire, the podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're Kiss by Fire on Patreon. Uh, and if you did want to uh, show us some love on Patreon, of course, uh, we love and adore all of our patrons. And we'll, we'll, um, we have some. We do. Fun bonus content for patrons, but uh, we will also always be here through different media for people who are unable to support us because we love all of our listeners. We love you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of Patreon, we are almost done with our artwork created for us by the amazing San Rixian. It's so beautiful. I'm pretty sure when you guys see it, you will weep. (laughs) <laughs> oh, lovely little eyes out. We're pretty excited about it. Uh, Patreons yeah. will be sent uh, merch as soon as uh, the artwork's ready. I'll get working on the swag. Uh, so swag. every patron tier gets uh, gets a little goodie. Um, so um, look out for that. I'll I'll be messaging you guys for your addresses so I can send things your way. Um, mm-hmm. Patreons get shout outs uh, mid episode. Uh, their bonus content like uh, exclusive recordings, hangouts, and things like that. And we do have a Patreon hangout um, coming up in January. So guys, keep an eye out for that. That is it is a goal for this month for us. Yes, we want that. We want to hang out with you. We do. We do. Um, we do. I think we've done all the housekeeping, so should we begin the show? Let's, let's do it. Be aware, there is a spoilery section coming towards the end of the show, 
we do try to stay spoiler free. It's not always easy. And I have got a lot of spoilery things to talk about. today. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot. There may so, be slips. There may be slips. There might be slips. Yeah. Uh, so for that, we apologize. But all we can say is please go and read the, the books. Songs, and fire. To them on, yes. Yeah. We do it's sort of great. pride ourselves on being a, a chronological podcast, but mm-hmm. um, which it's fun for us. But we do also... Um, it's, I mean, a lot of the reading in this is really influenced by mm. how we read A Song of Ice and Fire. So. Yeah. And actually, one of the greatest things that I find about Graham's writing is just generally how when you read something back, you suddenly go, oh, my God, oh, that fits to this. Yes. And that he he was telling me that that was going to happen exactly. months ago. The way he foreshadows <laughs> and ties things in yeah. is, is delightful. Yeah. So it's part of why we it is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so we'll do, we'll start with the second chapter of Fire and Blood, and that is The Reign of the Dragon, The Wars of King Aegon I. I have written, and especially in comparison to Beth, who's written... Oh my goodness. <laughs> the biggest summary, I have written nothing compared this, to her. We've this, taken a chapter each. It's not true. I'm embarrassed <laughs> by my minuscule summarization. No. Oh my goodness. I have, I've written five, no. five bullet points for you all. But I'm going to summarise it yes. as quickly as I can so we can have a little pre-see of what happens and then discuss our favourite bits, uh, what we think is most important, what stands out to us. But really, this chapter focuses all about war. Wars of the king, of the king? Wars of King Egg on the Firth. It's all first. <laughs> What's happened to me, Bear? Wars of the Firth, the first. King. You're, you're, you're Virgo. <laughs> I think something's happened to my tongue. Um, uh so yeah, so there's a lot of war, weirdly enough, for a chapter titled about war. We go through the wars, not the main wars, the main wars of the conquest are done. It's These are the little ones that tie everything together, that sort of settle smaller conflicts so that Aegon pulls the final parts of the continent of Westeros together, like sews up those little snaggy ends. And I, don't, I don't really sew or knit, so I don't even know if I use that term right. <laughs> So if anyone here is into crafting, let me know. So does that make sense? Snaggy ends? Mm-hmm. Snaggy ends, sure. Snaggy ends, cool. Yeah. So one of the snaggy ends is the War in the Sisters, which is a trio of islands in The Bight, uh, a lovely named little sea, uh, which is right between White Harbour in the north and the fingers of the Vale. It's always good to have a map I love my map. Have you got the maps of Ice and Fire? Because they're great. I don't think I actually have the book, but I, I do often pull up a map. But Yeah. it's it, And actually, one, another again, another thing that I really love about George's writing is actually how much the land is part of the story. It's not just like a map for a map's sake. You know, no, it's, it's super important. Yeah, the way it is, it's yeah. integrated into the way the story is told. I think a lot like yeah. Tolkien that mm. way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got so you've got that one, and then the next little snaggy end is the conflict in the Iron Islands, uh, and then the rest of the chapter mainly focuses on Dawn. So the conquest of Dawn. Uh, so Queen Rainey's returns to Dawn. There's a lot of warring and killing going on at that. There's a bit of tit for tat, uh, and then now this is very slightly spoilery, but we are going to be talking about it in this chapter. The fact that in one of the conquests of Dawn, as Aegon is trying to bring it into the realm, Queen Rhaenys dies in Dawn, and so does her dragon, Meraxes. And then the following years are called the Dragon's Wrath, and it is violent 
AF. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty gross if you are uh, have a delicate stomach, maybe, um, you know. It's a bit savage. It's a bit savage. Take your time. It mm-hmm. is savage. And then we have the death of the yellow-toed Princess Mariah Martel, who we talked about last episode. <clears throat> she dies, and her successor is her son, Prince Nymor, who, after a lot of very, very savage tit-for-tat, manages to finally force a truce with the Targaryens. But it's done in a very exciting way, which causes a lot of chat within the fandom. It's mm-hmm. uh, a big cause for tinfoil. <laughs> A lot of tinfoil. I'm like, just uh, shivering. Get, with get your tinfoil out. Yes. You need to make a hat this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all going to yes. sit with our hats on. Because he sends a mystery letter to Aegon. And we don't know what's in it. But somehow a truce is formed. So we'll go through the chapter. We'll look at each point And talk about anything that pops up. So yeah. So the Wars of the Dragon. So Aegon ruled from 1 AC to 37 AC. It's a long um, reign, pretty long reign. After the conquest, it was quite a long reign. Mm-hmm. After the AC's after the conquest. So he was 30 He was 27 when he became king, didn't he? Wasn't he? Yes. So I believe so. What's how old was he when he died then? 37. 27 plus 37. Years later. 64. What's that? 2064. I don't I'm Something. guessing. Right in Fans and tell us. <laughs> I can't be bothered. To I was right. It's sixty-four. Sixty-four for me. Fine. So there we go. So um, as it mentions in the book, it was by and large a peaceful reign. The later years, particularly, but basically the first seventeen years of his reign, so one to seventeen, not so much. The uh, dragons' wars. That's what the first 17 years ended up being known as, which was what it says in the book. It was a cruel and bloody conflict as any ever fought in Westeros. So, which is pretty awful because Westeros goes through a ton of Mm -hmm. bloody conflict and war. So it's a lot. The first mentioned is the one that we've I mentioned the first is ooh, the first one I mentioned is the one I mentioned first that's some great <laughs> oration there I should get an award an award for that one um so the first one is in the bite the three sisters yes which are I have in doing some research for this found out a lot more than I knew before because that we don't go to the sisters very much in the book any of the book series it's not mentioned very much there is some information, but it is a really interesting place. Mm-hmm. And the world building is fascinating. Like they hundreds of, like they've had different gods in the bite, things like that. They didn't they they worship different people. I wonder if they still um, do. I wonder if still like in like modern a song of ice and fire stuff. This is mm. not spoilery because I don't know the answer. If they no. if they the seven did creep their way into the sisters mm. or if they still stick to their older god. Following. I don't know. They might do, like the Iron Islands do. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be really interesting to find out, but they, they're really interesting people. They have a, like a totally different culture. They do lots of things like... Um, they are a sailing culture, but they... Well, they'd have to be. They, yeah, they have to be. They're yeah. on islands. And I would quite like to try system and stew. I think I might have... I think the recipe might be in A Feast of Ice and Fire. Actually. I would if it wouldn't kill me, but it was one of the things that made me drool the most reading the books. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's quite... 
a little bit of uh, shellfish in it. Shellfish, <laughs> just a fair amount of shellfish in there, Ben. Yeah. You can't have that. Can't have that. No. <laughs> no. So don't eat that. It will kill you. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested. I'm not a big seafood person because I'm absolutely blooming terrified of fish bones. I love, love, love <laughs> seafood. Love it. Um, but I would give it a go. Someone said to me, "Have it because mm-hmm. it sounds nice." Mm-hmm. But like their a, culture is different. A good like what? seafood chowder. That's what it reminds me of. Have you had a seafood chowder? Seafood. I've never had a seafood. Oh chowder. god. We're not really. We're not really a chowdery people in the UK. That shocks me really honestly because I feel like it's like it's creamy and potatoey and then full of like shellfish and stuff, which was very Scots would do that on the coast. I feel like in the good place, it says something about chowder, and it's like. I need to find that quote because it's really fucking funny. I've been to San Francisco up. and before I had my shellfish allergy, I had a good shellfish mm. chowder in San Francisco. Um, Boston okay. would be better, uh, but I recommend it to everybody Boston who can. Chowder. <laughs> Boston. A Boston chowder. chowder. A chowder. I'll have some chowder in Boston. No, it's not. There's no R's in Boston. It's chowder. No, chowder. chowder. I'll have some chowder and park my car in Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it's wicked hard. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the three sisters, um, they are different and interesting. And they are situated very interestingly between White Harbour in the north, the fingers of the veil. So there's kind of, there's been conflict about who should rule them before. And they want, they've always kind of fought for independence. Mm-hmm. Starting here. Starting here. I mean, they've done it before, but obviously they wanted independence and they decided to declare themselves to Egon as a free nation and they crowned Lady Marla of House Sunderland as their queen, which I think is very nice. I love let's that. Get the, yeah. Let's get the women out there. Yeah, matriarchy. But, yeah, exactly. What's that? <laughs> yeah, House Sunderland is their, House Sunderland is their, like, main house, like, the, the biggest head. liege yeah. lord. But the Aran fleet had been pretty much destroyed in the Wars of Conquest, so Egon asked... Torren Stark, Warden of the North, to, to send an army to the sisters to put down this rebellion, whatever. And then, so Torren Stark sent one from, and they departed from White Harbour on a fleet of hired Bravo Sea galleys, which I find very interesting because I find it weird that no one, like very few people in the whole of Westeros have ships. Why doesn't White Harbour have ships? I know, Where and none of White... these wars, Aegon's wars, were fought at sea, so it's not like they lost yeah. ships. So they just did, but yeah, it, it but is they, Well, they lost, they lost the Aran fleet mm-hmm. because there was a huge war in the, the gullet. The is gullet. In the gullet. Yeah. But overall. But, not, but then, I find it weird. Like why, why does the North not, why does no one else, why do why, why does White Harbour, a city built by the sea, not city. have its own, why does it have to hire ships from Bravos? Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Do you understand why? I think my take on it is just that the the Northerners were relatively self-sufficient. And if they had wars at that time, they were civil wars um, apart from with the Iron Islands. They never sought a war with the Iron mm. Islands, so they didn't have ships to fight them no. at sea. And maybe they that's because they knew that was the strength of the Iron Islanders. They would wait till they were on land and mm. take them out there. I know, but I st- still find it really weird. Like the North is huge, and there's a huge amount of sea around it. Big coastline. White yeah. Harbour is a really big city. Like it's one of the biggest cities in the whole of Westeros. And I don't understand why you wouldn't have just in case some kind of navy to defend yourself. Like the Iron Islands are constantly raiding the North. Like Lannisport has a. Um, they have a fleet. Navy. They have a big fleet. Yeah. yeah. They have a fleet. Because of what the Iron Islands are constantly invading them too. 
but, but the difference is a lot of seems to do Lannisport and a lot of the the money in mm. the Westerlands is on the coast. Yeah. Uh, the North is big and very vast, and even if the Iron Islanders could raid the coast, I don't think they'd get that far. Like like Winterfell is very far inland. It's 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 in the middle mm. of of land. So it is, they yeah. would have to get very far to try and take mm. some like apart from they could take White Harbor, but then literally all of the North could come and take it back. And it's a lot easier for the Northern armies yeah. to get together to defend their land mm. than it is for the Iron Islanders to send more people. And I'm, I'm definitely not a war commander at all experienced in war conversation, but I feel like it's just easier for them to hold. Yeah. Well, what if like the Stepstones decided to invade White Harbor or one of the free cities? And we it's don't have so their own... far north. Like, mm. I, there's so many other things that they would raid on the way. I and again, I, I just feel like the North in general are 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 land people. They're not familiar with seafare, so their advantage is on land. So they would wait till they docked. That's what I was thinking. So White Harbor is on the sea, but the Mandalays, I don't think. It, we don't know where their original castle is from in the reach they were originally somewhere. from the reach yeah but i believe they were inland so i don't think that they have the history of being seafaring people to therefore take advantage so this is what i'm wondering this is my sort of vaguely tinfoily thing is thinking mm-hmm. they came from the south and for anyone who doesn't know they were in the reach and they were basically chased out of the reach by uh the uh, gardeners and the Tyrells, but also they were the, which I, a fact that I found out while I was researching, they were the biggest rivals of House Peak, and I hate House Peak. Oh yeah, go so, main girlies. <laughs> and they were, and 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 House Peak have ended up taking one of their castles, but we don't know where any of them were. So I'm wondering where they inland, and therefore, it never really occurred to the Ma- House Mandalay, like they're not historically people of the sea so they even though they are of the sea now and they have a port city and it's huge and it's big they're not people who are like as part of our culture we build ships if you see what i mean yeah so for iron yeah. islanders it may not have dawned on for them fair to Isle it people yet. we build ships yeah um for uh valarians they build ships and the red wines they build ships this is historical it's like in their blood to be out on the sea whereas the mandalays were given a city that was by the sea but it's not it's it's a um, port city but it's not an island so they didn't need ships to survive um so sort of like the people in old town like the high towers not lannisport's on the mainland too though yeah that's true but but again they're not known necessarily for seafaring Mm. they're known to have an army to defend um, but Old Town has a mm. fleet, sure. But but I feel like White Harbor is maybe more comparable to Old Town than Lannisport. Mm, mm. Um, Probably, and I yeah. just because and that's again like it's it's minorly spoilery to say that later on in the books when there is a war declared or war might be coming that the first thing that a person who shall remain nameless because the spoilers says White Harbor needs to build ships and you mm-hmm. think well if that's what you need war why not have a few built probably a few but again because because the realm was at peace and what happened was yeah. quite unprecedented and mm. and considering who he was where he was going to war with and the distance and stuff i think there's a lot of factors for 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 why i feel like white harbor probably had they had a few galleys that they probably purchased or traded mm. for ferrying and trade but 
yeah, they didn't mm. have a, a war fleet, which is a very different type of ship as well. Mm. So I just find it interesting. It it's is. just for me, it's like, you know, just a little point there to think why, you know, what what was the reason why no one in the north thought it was important to have any any kind of naval or fleet or boats or anything that they had to go and hire because that's a cost to mm-hmm. hire bravosi galleys yeah um, but it might have been cheaper than building fleet that they wouldn't use that's true that's true anyway so they hired these bravosi galleys under the command of sir warwick Manderley. this is not the first time that the north have invaded the sisters there was about they always say a thousand years ago. It's always it's always a thousand, a thousand years, ago. years ago or four thousand years ago. But the North had invaded the sisters way back when, and in a brutal attack that was named the the rape of the sisters. It, yeah, it was pretty awful. There were stories of that no one can tell whether they're true or not, but like horrendous stories, things like children being boiled alive and eaten by the Northmen. I don't think that that's true, but no, still, either, but... Um, it's there. It's it's there historically. Um, and I could imagine seeing sails of, you know, with Northern ships arriving. If you've got that in your history, you'd be kind of pissed off. Yeah, let <laughs> alone when Visenya rolls up on her dragon. <laughs> yes, and then of course Visenya turns up on Vagar in the skies above Sisterton, which is a great name. What are we going to call the capital of the sisters? Sisterton. Sisterton. And basically, this war didn't last like five minutes. It lasted as long as long as a flea's fart because the <laughs> the, the men of Sisterton took one look at Queen Visenya and basically got rid of Queen Marla. Yeah. There's no loyalty to women. They'll put a woman on the throne, which I was really pleased with. Like, yay, mm-hmm. bring down the patriarchy. But basically they were like, uh, nope. This person is expendable. <laughs> yeah. Here and you go. also I feel a bit sorry. Like, they disposed of her really quickly. Really they good. crowned her. They yeah. crowned her. And yet when Vagar appears, they're like, uh, no, we, we didn't. We didn't want that. No, this isn't what... No, here, you take her. No, we don't want her. she did it. You take mm-hmm. her. So basically, in favour of her younger brother, Stefan Sutherland, uh, and then they renewed fealty to the Eerie. So that they decided to be part of the... So they're technically part of the Vale and the Eerie. So they answered to the Lords Arryn, not the North. They then bent the knee to the Visenya. And Stefan gave his sons as hostages to the Iron Throne for good behaviour. Uh, one was going to be fostered, I think, with the Mandalays and another with the Arons. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, really, really shittily, after five years... So, wait, hang on. So, Lord Stephen Sunderland gave his sister to Visenya, and who was exiled and then imprisoned, but then mm-hmm. after five years of exile and imprisonment, had her tongue removed. Yeah. And she oh, spent you, the remainder of her life. You can be free, as, but... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and she spent the rest of her life with the silent sisters tending to the dead. I feel like this is really harsh on her because they crowned her, for fuck's sake. She mm-hmm. did, like, what? Um, so I feel like that's a bit... It's a little bit. In one defense, all of the silent sisters had their tongues removed. It's not wasn't specific. That is to true. Her. But, but even so, it feels a bit like. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, it was yeah. It was punishment for sure. Yeah, yeah she never definitely never had a chance for a normal life after that. Even yeah. though she was just a figurehead, essentially. Yeah, exactly. 
So, yeah, I just feel like that's a bit much, really. And, like, no punishment for... Any, like, what What was Lord Stefan doing? Mm-hmm. Was he doing nothing? He probably was supporting his sister, I imagine. I would think so. And, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, no, it was all her. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> she did it. Yep. Um, you know, classic younger brother. It was her. She did it. Yes. So that basically ended that minor rebellion. And then, literally on the other side of Westeros, you've got the Iron Islands. Um, so do you remember, in our previous track, Chapter, chapter, <laughs> chapter. The previous chapter, the Lords of the Iron Islands were House Hall. Do you remember what happened to House Hall, Beth? Uh they got burned out. They were they lit. Burned. They were lit up. <laughs> yeah, they got lit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole of the house ended because Aegon burnt House Hall's to a crisp entire line in his castle of. Oh my god, why can't I remember it? Harrenhal? Castles in my head. There we go. <laughs> Harrenhal. And literally burnt down the newly finished Harrenhal. Ended the line of the whores. Um, <laughs> and, um, I'm such a grown up. <laughs> yeah, we're very grown up people. And basically, they had a massive, like, well, who's going to be in charge of the Iron Islands now? Um, and that seems to be quite often. There's a lot of history in the Iron Islands where they have a big succession issue. There seems to be many, many stories across the whole of the book series where they don't know who is going to rule them. And they have... Iron Islands are interesting because they don't just do it by uh, primogeniture or like that. They have what's called a king's moot. Mm-hmm. It's it's a vote. Yeah. It's a democracy, essentially. Yeah. It's interesting. They're one of the only places in Westeros that sort of yeah. does ignore that feudal mm. system. Uh, not entirely, but in that regard, in, in voting mm. for their leader, they vote for what the land needs at the time, which I think is kind of really cool. Mm. Yeah. It's a very rapey pillagey. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying... <laughs> <laughs> Um, low standards at least yeah i think it it reminds me in a way of uh, and i think it's meant to of like scandinavian history um viking history where rating was a big part of life um but they would vote for the leader for who was Mm. the strongest or the person that that the land needed at the time Mm -hmm. and then they could be overthrown if people didn't agree (laughs) with the way they were leading so no exactly Mm -hmm. exactly um, and they have an interesting way of doing the King's Moot. They go to Old Wick, which is one of the uh, the islands, because there's... I can't remember how... Is it six islands on the island? I thought it was I just remember. three. Oh, three? Pike. Are you sure? I feel like I there's more. It... Oh, you could be right. I can't remember. But they go to Old Wick, and they there's apparently bones of a sea dragon called Naga. And there's quite a few interesting theories about those bones. Some mm-hmm. people think it's an old ship. Some people think it's actually weirwood uh, tree that's gone hard. Interesting. Uh, I've had, had some, cool. Yeah, I've had some really interesting theories hmm. about what actual Naga's bones really actually are. I mean, if there's flying dragons, I think it's likely there could have been sea dragons. I never really questioned it. Yeah, like a giant definitely. whale or something. Yeah. Like a Moby and also, Dick. I mean, there's a, there's a place called Sea Dragon Point on Westeros as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's possible. Who knows? I find it really interesting, but I won't go into it now. But on the island, I, I, on the Iron Islands, they have totally different gods as well. So they don't follow the seven um, or the old gods. They've got the drowned gods. I find um, who's your favorite god in Westeros? Who are your favorite gods? 
Oh God. <laughs> On point. Oh God. Um, I, I don't know. I find really fascinated by all of the religions. I'm actually really, mm. I'm curious. I don't know if they talk about it, but I've always been curious if, uh, about the religion in Dorne because I don't think it's mm -hmm. the seven. So I, no. we've talked about this before, but like I, I lean more into either Dornish culture or, or yeah. Northern, yeah. very Northern culture. So I like the old gods. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like we don't know enough about them. Definitely mm. not the seven, but otherwise they're all no, kind of, like the they're all super interesting. Yeah. yeah. I find this, the drowned God like frightens me a little bit. It's yeah. just like, why is he drowned? I just, I feel like the idea of being in the sea in the water all the time. I don't like being wet. As it were. <laughs> I quite enjoy being wet, but um, <laughs> I would. <laughs> no, it was not meant like to be. I was listening to this, but for I would, fuck's sake, I would have for fuck's sake. I would. My like goal in life is to have a house on the water. I really like being. I'm a water baby. Yeah. I like to be in the water. I like though. I love the water. Actually, that's true. Although, I, yeah, it just I don't know. There's something about sea water. I, I think it, to me, actually, it's the Iron Islands themselves because they're they they sound a bit of a dreary. They're dreary, violent bleh. place. Ugh. And I get yeah. quite depressed when I'm reading any of the chapters set in the Iron Islands mm -hmm. because I just I can't cope with how yeah, like there's not very much that grows there. No, because it's just salty. Mm -hmm. It's just lots of wind all the time. I think I would absolutely hate it. It's hard because he doesn't talk about like if the days the sun comes out like that's not a thing. But in in Newfoundland, like where my mom lives, it gets really windy. And in Newfoundland mm. as well, um, not a lot grows there. Um, there's only no. certain things that can grow in the soil. So yeah. I guess like it's it relates a little bit to me mm. to that. And I'm like just because it's a, a dreary, windy place doesn't mean that there's never sunshine and stuff. So I bet it's probably really no. beautiful on a good day. You know? I bet it is. I, I just, think I no find, and I think maybe it's also the people who we follow so i like certain people's chapters unless uh, oh yeah chapters. for sure yeah absolutely um, we can talk more but, about that in the spoilery section if it we can talk up, about but. exactly but uh, i was going to say something and i've completely forgotten what it was gonna sorry be that it's probably it. my fault so it's gone it's gone it could have been the most amazing point and it's gone so anyway so they go to we should talk about so they had a king's moot so this wasn't really a problem for Aegon because no. But they had um, a king's moot, and there was one guy. There's always like a one crazy guy in there <laughs> who's like, I am the son of the drowned god, you know, and said that I can perform miracles. And his name was Lodos or Lodos. He proclaimed that he was the direct son of the god. Not not delusional in any well, way. Well, it's not historically uncommon either. There's a lot of people no, who are descended from Zeus. Come on. Yeah, Poseidon, Poseidon and Zeus, exactly. like the baby daddies. So, um, you know. But there were lots of other claimants uh, on from lots of different islands. So there, there's definitely more than three because you've got Great Wick, Pike, and Orkment. They all had people come forward and say that we are we want to do this. Um, and actually, it took over a year. <laughs> can you imagine the debate? Like, can you imagine like a presidential debate? <laughs> <laughs> taking for that over long. a year like oh my god guys just can we please just decide that's what's going on in the um american oh House of representatives now isn't it they're trying to vote for a speaker a and it's speaker. happening yeah they yeah. might be there for a whole they year be there for a whole year it, do you ever wonder bones. if westerosi years are the same as our years we don't really know how many days are i think they are year. i think um i think george has said it's basically 12 months and oh. they're about the same okay. length of, uh, as ours fascinating yeah 
But basically, it went on and on and on and on and on. And then there were fight. There was fighting, <laughs> and apparently, the fighting between the islands was so bad that the waters got filled with so much blood and corpses from the fighting between these people trying to decide who's going to be leaders that krakens appeared by the hundreds drawn up by the blood that's wicked i just love it i like love the imagery in that you just picture all these tendrils coming out of the water and yeah it's very who am i thinking of lovecraft yes lovecraft yeah it's very like monsters from the deep coming up and basically going and Mm. eating loads of people yeah (laughs) that's my that's my impression of a kraken yeah you can't see my arm movement the fingers and arms really make this uh yeah yeah, they make that image yeah Yeah. we'll have to like for patreons we'll do a recording of your kraken (laughs) yeah just me just steph's cracking up (laughs) yeah steph's kraken impression love it exactly (laughs) um they'll love it totally worth the money right <laughs> really really top-notch content over here at the kiss by fire podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes so basically egon got really bored of this mm-hmm. he got bored af and of and the fighting and they were the fighting they were essentially trying to also feel that they were again a sovereign nation right their own nation yeah. Yeah, so he was like no you're not and no. and no so yeah I'm going to come in. So he came down. Yeah, he came on Balerion. And he was like, fuck this shit. I can't be bothered anymore. Sort this out. Uh, He brought fleets. Stop this nonsense in the name of your king. I was expecting you to (laughs) do that. Stop this madness. (laughs) There you go. In the name of your king. (laughs) You have to do that in every episode. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone. I'll just sneak it in. Every single one. We'll find a spot. It's doable. (laughs) This is an achievable goal. (laughs) It's definitely doable in Fire and Blood because there's a lot of madness. There's a lot of madness. Um, and a yeah. lot of kings. So he brought... And a lot of kings. So many kings. Mm-hmm. So much madness. And they all need to stop the madness in the name of their kings. So yeah, so Egon flies in on Balerion. He's had enough of this bullshit. Uh, and he comes with Fleet's Beth from the Arbor, <laughs> Highgarden and Lannisport. It's a long way. Um, oh no, maybe not. It's Highgarden? Is Highgarden next to the sea? I don't think of it as next Highgarden to the sea. is not. They're inland. No. Inland. Inland. So why do they have a fleet? They have a fleet, but High, Har- High Harbour, White Harbour doesn't have a fleet. <laughs> they're on the Mander, so they would follow the they ocean are out. Or they I follow they get the raided river out. by the Iron Islands a lot more, though, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. But in a way more serious way. Do you know what this, these chapters made me think of? This is a little bit of an aside, but not really. But... Mm-hmm. If Aegon had never conquered, this is like a, a what if episode for Davos Fingers or something. Yeah. But if Aegon had never conquered, um, mm-hmm. would House Hor have just taken over Westeros? Because he was encroaching Ooh, he big was. time. I think there would have been wars because Durand, Duran, Dur- no, Argalic. Durand, Argalic, yeah. Argalic, Durand. He um, was. But he was afraid of them. He was, but he would have fought them. He was a fighter. Yeah, but he might have he lost. Have fought them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I'm curious if they would have, if he would have just kept trying to expand and expand and expand. Yeah. Because it seemed like that was his goal, at least all the way through central Westeros. So the Westerlands mm. and um, the Reach, which is further south, and the yeah. Crownlands as well, he probably would have gone into. So. And the Riverlands. He would have been a king whore and his wife would have been a queen whore. Yepper. Mm -hmm. Uh And if he had any whores, they'd be his whore whores. His whore whores. Whores whores. 
Horse, horse. What a title. Um, <laughs> and if they had horses, they'd be as horse, horse, horse. <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. Oh, God. It's just making my brain hurt. I love it. What the... <laughs> so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So basically, Egon goes in with a huge fleet and some longships from Bear Island that mm-hmm. Torrin Stark so Long Island, so Bear Island. I love Bear Island. Mm-hmm. I would love some. I would like like a, just a book set on Bear Island. Oh my goodness! That'd yes, that'd be amazing. Um, so they have some longships because they've been raided by the Iron Islanders, and they obviously they are islands, so and they, they don't those. they don't I, like the Iron Islanders. They have they do not no, um, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. So basically, the Iron Men because they pretty much killed all of each other by this point there was not very many of no. them left they mm-hmm. didn't have much to fight with no their population was far depleted <laughs> there's not no one left there's like five guys left pick one of you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and like Gomer's writing is a lot of anti-war stuff and this is a very good example of him basically saying this helped no one war is garbage fighting over. Mm-hmm. i mean maybe this could be a whole the words like not foreshadowing but essentially like a mini version of essentially the whole thing that yeah you're just gonna fight so much that there's none of you left mm-hmm. essentially but anyway so they so the ironman had not very they didn't really have an army to fight and they didn't put up very much resistance and of course they saw balerian in the sky and shit their pants yeah i mean what else i mean as you do i mean so King Egon, he slew someone called Corin Volmark. I think he was one of the people what putting a, yeah. themselves forward. Yeah. And he killed him with black fire. But he let his baby son, basically, inherit his father's lands and castle. But on Oldwick, where Naga's bones are and Lodos, this like, I am the son of the drowned god. <laughs> so Lo- Lodos, Lodos, don't know. He... <laughs> I love this. He called upon the Krakens of the Deep yeah. to come and rise and drag down the invader's ship. And mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Listen, that didn't spoiler happen. alert. Didn't, that <laughs> didn't, didn't happen. happen. Uh, Gomer said that we're not going to see any gods ever at any point in time, but it would be it would have been really cool. It would be cool, I think, in the book at some, some point if we did, but we're not going to. No gods, but we'll probably. I feel like we have to see Krakens. If we see dragons, we'll have to see Krakens. Yes, but he's definitely said no gods. But no I just gods. find it interesting because gods are such a big part of it. Well, but that's so the much... point, though, is that gods are never really seen, are they? No. But I always find, I wonder if a lot of time in Westeros, gods are conflated with magic. Because a lot that's of true. the time. Especially in the North. Like, especially with R'hllor, um that too. and yeah, things yeah. like that. Even the drowned god, because essentially all their. When the. When I. Because Iron Islanders, if anyone doesn't know this, they have a. A whole thing about basically walking into the sea and drowning themselves mm-hmm. and well, giving and themselves to the drowned god. That's also how they, how it's like how they're christened as well, right? Yeah, essentially they're Even baptized they're to baptized. the drowned and, god and, they're, and, they, and they're drowned. They drown themselves and fill their lungs with water and then essentially they're brought, they're brought back to life. You can't see me doing inverted commas with my fingers. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it's CPR, and that's yes. not magic. That's no, it's not. God. It's not even that's CPR medicine. necessarily. They bang on their chest, and either you survive it or you don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, survival of the fittest, CPR. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, except no, not the blowing in, but yeah. No, yeah, but they they do ba- essentially they they get their heart starting again, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it is. And but I I do think a lot of what they believe to be gods is either magic or essentially 
medicine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's just kind of cool. I, I, I find the gods quite interesting. But basically, none of the Krakens, Drowned God did not provide any Krakens Mm-mm. for him. Mm-mm. He said no. No. He's like, I can't be bothered. I'm busy. Yep. Hey, Dad, can you, like, bring some Krakens? <laughs> <laughs> I really want you to get these Krakens. Daddy, yeah. please. Like, I'm busy. I'm on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the drowned god is on the loo. And so he walked into the sea. He was like, fuck this shit. So Lodos just walked into the sea. And apparently loads of people followed him into the sea. Filling their robes with rocks so that they would indeed drown. Yeah. And not come back. So they gave themselves to the drowned god. Yeah. So he didn't come to, he didn't come to your aid and so you just sacrificed yourself to him instead. And then loads of people oh. followed him and apparently their bodies, like half crab eaten, bloated, disgusting bloated, grody. bodies, like mm-hmm. were coming up like for years on the shores, like floating up to the shores, like yeah. for years and years to come. It's so gross. And it's like, well that well that worked well for you. That was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. mm, you know, great. Well done. Another few hundred people dead for no reason. Yeah. So yay, Iron Islands. Go, go, drown God. So at that point, they had still had no one to rule the Iron Islands. Uh, some people said because of the House Hall being part of the Riverlands and the Iron Islands, they thought the Tullys should have them, but they didn't, didn't like that. They no, were... and it doesn't make sense anyway. The lifestyle's different. You can't. Exactly. You can't yeah. be ruled by that with such a different lifestyle. No. But they were trying to come up with people like whether it should be Westermen, should it be mm-hmm. the North that rules them? But Egon said, no, 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 it's going to be, they can rule themselves yeah. as Lords of the Iron Islands. Um, and and he he said that they could still choose their own. I Like, that's dangerous. They've literally just spent a year warring. They said <laughs> you can still choose who you want. You can still choose your own. Yeah, just do it yeah. in the next five minutes before I fly off. Otherwise, yeah. and if I'll you pick. don't decide, I'm burning you all. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And we'll like, implant a new family parent- here. Parenting, yeah. like if you can't decide who's going to play with it, kids, the toys going in the garbage, in the bin. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, keep fighting. And so they, yeah, keep fighting about this, or it's going in the bin. Yeah, and so they chose uh, Vicon Greyjoy. The Lord Reaper of Pike. Mm-hmm. And he bowed down to King Aegon, blah, blah, blah. And then Aegon left. But he was only allowed to rule... So the Greyjoy Vicon was only allowed to rule the Iron Islands, nowhere else. Nowhere else. Um, no Riverland rule. And and then they still had to sort out Harrenhal a bit. He hadn't sorted out who ruled Harrenhal. So he gave... Aegon gave Quentin Coheris Harrenhal. Mm-hmm. He had an heir and a spare, I believe. And a grandson. And then the Lord Reaper of Pike married yeah. a mainlander, married a yes. Tully, right? To secure an alliance yes. in a way. Yeah. Exactly. And so basically, they, he sorted out the sisters by now. He sorted out the Iron Islands, essentially all of Westeros, south north of, the of wall. King's Landing. Yeah. And, and the Stormlands, though, and the Reach, they yeah. were fine. Yeah. He now just had to sort Dawn. Dawn. Dawn was what was left over. And this is where it gets messy. Mm-hmm. I would say interesting, but messy also fits. Yes. Mm-hmm. So he sent some people to go and treat with Mariah Martel. It took like a year of negotiating, but it did nothing. It did nothing at all. No. So who do you think they sent to sort it out? Rainies. Rainies. Rainies went down. And she had promised last time to come back with... Fire and blood. And she brought that. She mm-hmm. fucking brought that. She did. Well, she tried to. 
Well, she yeah, but she she did. She she rained fire. She came back on Maraxes. Uh, she set the whole you know Planky Town, so it's on the Green Blood. It's where a lot of the Roynish people live. I know why. Like why you gotta start there? They're like I know. They're like really my favorite ones. <laughs> I know they're so good, but I find it really interesting a lot. It'll come up quite a few times that it is because of the Roynish nature, especially of the Martells and literally the 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 orphans of the Green Blood. They call them they the Roynish people. For people who don't know, in the world building. Uh, there was people who lived on the Roin in Essos mm-hmm. and they were being again attacked by Targaryens. Uh, well, Valyrians. Well, Valyrians. Who... Yeah, well, you're right. It wasn't Targaryens, but Valyrians. No, dragons. Well, it could have been. Dragons. Yeah. People, Valyrians on dragons. Mm-hmm. And so Nymeria, who was a princess of Dawn, or not of Dawn, of the Roin, sailed off with 10,000 ships of people to find a new land. She sailed for ages, didn't find anywhere, eventually found Dawn and to the legend goes that she burned her ships because she found our new home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people from the Roin couldn't give up their culture, didn't want to. So they set up shop and pretending that I can't remember what river it is. Is it the, it's the green blood. Yeah. It's the green blood. I just said that. Yeah. yeah. And so they've set up this, like basically a, a huge town on wooden boats and uh, where they can have their Roinish culture. And essentially Rainey's just burns Burnt the, the shit out shit. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Yeah, rebuild. Apparently, the smoke could be seen as far away as Sunsbeer, which is miles away. Mm-hmm. A lot of people died, but mainly from drowning. They like jumped into the water. Yeah. So she actually didn't kill very many people from well. fire. <laughs> she just drowned them instead. Yeah, I was going to so, say. Yeah. Another she, offering. She still killed them. God. Yeah. No. She still killed them. Yeah. I find I don't know why do you think. If they really, really wanted to conquest Dawn, why did they not just straight away go down with three dragons? Why just send Rainies? I think they were still trying to uh, win, show some diplomacy, and uh, this is—it's a show of power without just destroying everything. We don't want to destroy everything you have. We want to show you what we could do, and we're going to show you that here. And if mm-hmm. you don't do it, then we're going to come back and do more. But interestingly enough, of course, the first time they show up with all three, they lose one. She goes on her own yeah. twice, yeah. if not more. And then mm. the first time all three go, that's when that's when Rainey's mm. falls. Mm. But it's again, it's yeah. a what if, if they'd just gone down with three. Initially. Could they, yeah. Would they have won it? Or if Azenia had gone instead and just, uh, just maybe she would have just taken out Mira Martell. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to tell because yeah. they... The thing with Dawn, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about this, is that they they fought in a different way. A lot of the- oh, big time, yeah. You do you ever wonder where they learned these tactics that they used? Because it, it seems like all of West, absolutely, but none of Westeros was prepared to do what Dawn did. No, so what like, they did, they have a, what I'll say. Yeah, no, you go. I was, was going to say they have a big geographical um, climate advantage in that. Where they are is nothing like anywhere else. And I guess no. the North would have that similar advantage. But so they knew their mountains, they knew their sands, they knew the land uh, mm. in a way that they could use it to disappear and, and hide. But mm. yeah, it's just their their tactics were different to any any other Western. Well, they, they used the land a lot. Big and time. they, yeah. Uh, so what it reminds me a little bit is like the in the First World War, in the Second World War, people invading Russia in winter. Mm-hmm. it's the worst idea because yeah. 
it's so cold and that was what brought the end of a lot of the armies yes they just couldn't survive the winter there and similarly with dawn it's so hot well and they don't know what foods are safe to eat either like there's so many well that's the other thing is that the dornish poisoned a lot of their wells they yeah but and destroyed their and thing. where they, they didn't they just like the they talk about is it the river outside of hellhole that is sulfuric and so the, yes. they would fish yeah. and eat the fish, but then the fish would make them sick. So yeah, the Dornish exactly. know the land. They know what they can eat mm, and what they mm. can't. It's like Australia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some ways, don't touch that bug because that one will kill you. But, yeah. you know, if you you don't yeah. know, you're not going to make it. And that and mm-hmm. Dorn relied on their landscape and their... Yeah. 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 If you grow and up then. in a place like that is, you have to know the land. So it wasn't just Rainies who turned up. So this is interesting about how the Dornish fought so Rhaenys came with Meraxes and then Oris Baratheon came with a huge army mm-hmm. like massive yeah. at least a thousand knights and and, and then horse, horse men and foot soldiers and then Aegon himself I don't know why he didn't go on Beleriand but he marched through the prince's past why did he not have Beleriand? I thought he did I thought it said, oh no, because Rainey has arrived ahead of him in Sunspear. Oh no, I think he did have Beleriand, but he he was going through with the other army and he had another 2,000 mountain knights and 300 lords and bannermen. What the heck was Beleriand Um, eating? I mean, I guess the sulfuric fish didn't bug his tummy. Yeah, true. But he, they had this massive, massive army that they said could probably smash Dawn even if we didn't have Aegon and Beleriand. And it's probably they had the true, Tyrells as well, didn't they? They had, to leave they had the Tyrells too, yeah. yeah. And they probably could have, if the Dornish decided, and I'm totally on the Dornish side with this, I have no honour. I think I've mentioned it before. <laughs> I have no, I don't care about my honour or anything to fight like a man before I die or whatever. Mm-hmm. They fight different and they yeah. fight dirty. Oh, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. Like go straight for the balls. <laughs> um, yeah. And so they didn't fight in the way that, the rest of Westeros would expect. They didn't send their armies out to fight. So they they literally, they poisoned every well. They never offered battle. They just didn't turn up. They're just no. like, no, fuck this. Mm-hmm. I'm not turning up to fight you because yeah. we might lose. They poisoned every single well. They burnt all the crops in the fields, all of the watchtowers in the Red Mountains, all of the places that you would normally try to conquer first. They had been abandoned. Yep. And then the essentially getting through the mountains and all of the passes they they had barred the ways with rotting corpses of sheep <laughs> like yeah. that was so rotten that they couldn't even use it not even food. edible yeah that's it's not what, even that's edible. what valerian ate right there yeah exactly and they were running short of food and they had not find anything to eat the armies needed feeding they didn't have anything to feed them so that's where he egon divided his forces he sent tyrell to the hellholt uh, and then he turned east to go to Skyreach to defeat Lord Fowler. Mm-hmm. And they thought, because it was like kind of into autumn, they thought winter was close. They thought dawn would be much more hospitable. But it was still it's not, at, yeah. like desert hot, like unbelievably warm. Yeah. You're right. It's like the Australian de- outback full of poisonous. Poisonous snakes. everything. and <laughs> Poisonous yeah. everything. And, uh, yeah. and like nothing to eat. They really hoped that there would be more water, but there was nothing. Like nothing. Dawn has a problem with water. Like there's not enough. Yeah. Whether it's winter or summer. I can't imagine Dawn in summer. I would die. Oh my God. I'm, I'm not pale. me. I know. I'm not. No. <laughs> I'm not. 
I'm not made for winter like we get here. Don't get me wrong, but I'm definitely not made for for a no. hot summer either. Really, no. Lord Tyrell goes to Hellholt, and they were boiling hot, but there was nothing to drink, and all the men started to die. Uh, and the horses started to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the best way for Dawn to fight. Why would you send people out when you can just literally go, the land will kill you before you get to me? Oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to hang out yeah. until the land takes care of you. I don't have to fight you. Mm. Yeah. I think it says later that they called it Dornish Courage and they kind of look at it. They look down on it. They look down on it. Yeah. Because it means they, they fucking... hid. But they survived. And they survived. Unbowed, exactly. unbent, unbroken. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't bend. Like, I'm very fine. Yeah. I'm happy with Dornish Courage. I'll take the Dornish Courage. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yes. fine. it's fine by me. It's fascinating to me, this stuff yeah. in Dorne. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Yeah. And again, like, it's not like the Iron Islands where there was a bunch of bloodshed and everything yeah. else to, to rebel against the crown, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. But they did it in their own way. I mean, I'm sure Dawn has... Um its own little fact. I know Dawn has its own little factions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they do seem to work like it was not I, I get the impression that mariah martel went this is what we're doing and people did went yeah great yeah There's, it's not like well but but the ironwoods decided to fight by themselves i think i think to some degree maybe they did i think they i think yeah they were unified obviously but i think in some ways mariah martel understood how well her vassal lords understood their own land mm. and so mm-hmm. she said don't let them take your castle by any means necessary no. Yeah. use our ways or whatever but but again like mm. i really wonder where these tactics came from for them because we don't know anything about dorn having no. to defend themselves like this and in, in any other or no. before this so it's Bloody fascinating works, to me it worked it's really, really sure good. did so so yeah so they went through a bunch of shit uh the knights had to get rid of their banners their shields all their armor cause they were just can you imagine being in armor <laughs> in like I a know. thousand degree mm-hmm. you boil inside you, you know, you'd absolutely boil inside. Tyrell lost a quarter of his men and horses yeah. to just just to the sands. And by the time he got to Hellholt, it was completely abandoned. Yes. So, that was so they just it. took it. Yeah. All right. Just our like, castle. Okay, that's our castle now. But there was no one to defeat. So it would have been very anticlimactic, right? Like, oh, yeah. I guess we'll just take it. Yeah. I would be really freaked out. <laughs> I would be like, yes. Where Oh, yeah. You know that something is coming. They didn't just flee, yeah. for sure. No. no. But they uh, they were kind of arrogant about it, and they just took it and said, yep, fine, cool. Yeah, well, Aegon declares Dorne a victory, because there's no one there to tell him otherwise. No. Right? Uh, Oris Brathen did a little bit better, but they still... Because I think they were trying to get through... Uh, some of the passes on the, the the horses struggled a bit and they did have like boulders thrown down on them from above. The thing is the Dornish are like the Dornish were really good at hiding. Mm-hmm. So they'd never see where they were coming from. So suddenly they'd be walking along and then there'd just be like boulders or suddenly archers would appear that they would have, they like, again, it's the land, using the land. They just suddenly people would just appear and rain arrows down on them. And they'd be like, where yeah. the hell would they go? And then they just disappear yeah. again. So suddenly a thousand arrows and then people are gone and they just, I, I mean, that's just such a, like an amazing way to fight. I think I would definitely be, want to be on the Dornish team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, oh, and the worst part of this was, is that when suddenly a big rain of arrows came down on them and Oris Baratheon said, right, retreat, retreat, go back. Mm-hmm. But they blocked their way. 
So yep. they couldn't, they were stuck. They were stuck. And then, unfortunately, as it puts it in the book, the Stormlanders were butchered like hogs in a pen. Ooh. And then Oris Baratheon himself was spared, along with a dozen other lords, thought worth the ransom. But they found themselves captives of, this is my favourite name, Will of the Will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> lord Will of Will. Mm-hmm. And he was a savage mountain lord called the Widow Lover. The Widow Lover. I wonder how he got that nickname. Tell me more. Yeah, tell me more about your name, Will of the Will. <laughs> yeah. Will of Will. So, yeah, so basically, the Tyrells have had a shitty time, all kind of died on the way, found mm-hmm. an empty castle. Oris Baratheon's been attacked and kidnapped. Loads of people have just basically been slaughtered. Yeah. King Egon had a bit more success in this one. I mean, this is even just the first time he tries to do this. Success. Uh, he has, success. <laughs> success. Um, he... <laughs> Managed to take a few places. He found a bit more water and a bit more food. He managed to take a couple of castles. He still, of but they still play him so well. Like they do. I, I can't remember the castle. What's the name of the castle where they're? You're gonna face my my uh, my, biggest, my best it champion was uh, Lord Toland of Ghost Hill. There we go. Sent forth his champion. His champion, and then Aegon ends up killing. It's not his champion. It's his fool. And by then yeah. they're all gone. So yeah, just exactly. the, just that's Lol. such a such a yeah exactly <laughs> such a little like jab to the ribs of your pride right you didn't kill my best champion you idiot you killed my fool you're a fool so funny. for going after yeah. him and peace out I'm gone good luck finding me you know and then eventually he ha- ended up in Sunspear on Beleriand and Rainey's was already there because she'd burnt the Plunky Town then she took Lemonwood Spotswood and mu- another great place called Stinkwater Ooh. brilliant <laughs> Love it. I live in Stinkwater yes and but but all the places she took them yes but a bit like Tyrell they were all empty of men obviously women and children apparently don't count <laughs> Yeah, but basically they were gone all the lords had gone the men had gone fighting men had disappeared so she was just like oh hi um, I was come to take your castle and they are like fine it's yours. Yeah, you can have it. Have it. It's yours. Yeah. Uh, but she never found a real enemy. And then inside Sunspear, it was half deserted. There was hardly anyone there. And the Yellow Toad had disappeared. And basically, Egon was like, okay, guys, I think, I think we've, we've got, got it. on this. Yeah, it's ours. Job done. Cool. Finished. But, uh, spoiler alert. It was not finished. It was not done. So basically, he left. He's like, I've, I've done it. I've, I've sorted this. And he left. He left a bunch of people in charge. Lord John Rosby was named Castellan of Sunspear and the Warden of the Sands to rule Dawn in the king's name. Which is weird because Rosby's not even near Dawn. Why would you give Rosby Maybe Dawn? he did. Wouldn't you give it to nice. like a Dornish marcher lord? Like someone who knows the Dornish a bit better? I don't know. Yeah. Weird to me. Yeah. And um, he named other people to different stewards in other lands. And then he left the way that he came through the prince's past. Basically, he just about gets home to King's Landing. <laughs> and then the Dornish were like, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> and they like, poke their heads spearmen. out of the sands. And yeah. Then, bam. Like, boop. Yeah. The Dornish uh, spearmen came from nowhere. It says, like, desert flowers after the rain, Skyreach, Ironwood, the Tor, Ghost Hill were all recaptured within two weeks. The go- royal garrisons put to the sword. The, uh, Aegon's castellans and stewards were allowed to die only after long torment. Mm-hmm. And it was said, so this is what I'm talking about, like, gross tit for tat. It was said that the Dornish lords had a wager of who could keep their captive alive the longest while dismembering them. Mm-hmm. That's something I want to talk about more in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, not now. Mm-hmm. No, not yet. Okay, spoiler is it? I have a moment for it. 
<laughs> okay, fine. All right then. So Lord Rosby, <laughs> I love this. This is one of my favourite stories. Is where I don't know if I just have like a violent streak somewhere with <laughs> the dark side of Steph comes out in this podcast. Lord Rosby, Castellan of Sunspear and Warden of the Sands, had a kinder end than most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What happened was the Dornishmen swarmed in from the city to retake the castle. He was bound hand to foot, dragged to the top of the spear tower, and, and then thrown from a window yeah. by Mariah Martel herself. And that's that's a Princess kind end. That's lovely. Yeah. What a nice way to go. That's a nice way it's to go. It's just what everybody there. wishes for. And basically the only person left was Lord Tyrell, who mm-hmm. must have been like pooping his pants by this point. Oh, uh, yeah. So Hellholt is on the River Brimstone. I mean, for fuck's sake, like if you... If gonna... <laughs> Do you know any Greek mythology, guys? Because if you did, it's probably not the place to be. <laughs> no, don't, don't eat the food in something called the River Brimstone. <laughs> this is not going to go very well. No. But basically... Nothing the... about this castle is going to go well. No. So, like you said, the river was sulfurous, the fish made everybody sick, and the the people who were there, they never submitted to mm-hmm. it, and basically they came down and cut, they essentially just attacked them back. Uh, anytime anyone left the castle... Anytime anyone killed. left to forage or hunt, they just didn't return, they, yeah. were, they were killed. Yeah. yeah, they were killed. Again, another great name, the Vaiths of Vaith. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Did the same so, to them. So clever. <laughs> The will of will and the faith of faith. They did the same in the east. So essentially, uh, when when the murder of Lord Rosby reached Lord Tyrell's ears, basically he he set off across the sands. He wanted to recapture Vaith, but every single man of his army disappeared. No man was ever seen alive. No, we don't know what happened to them. That might have been a kinder end. We don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But it's like, it's fucking like, poor Dawn, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. Yeah. Like, I, yep, I but just it, love it. I do it too. It scares me how much I love it. <laughs> so I'm like, they're so cool. <laughs> they're so cool. They Savage. like hid, they burned everything, they poisoned the wells, mm-hmm. and they hide. And then, like, Egon's literally gone for like a moment. Two minutes. And they throw one guy out of a window, they torture the other lots, and then one army tries like tries their hardest. We're gonna sort it out, guys. I'm, my name's Harlan Tyrell. I'm gonna sort out the army. Uh and then they all just disappear. Like how freaky is that? Peace. Like, boom, gone. Yeah, gone. That's gone. it. Yeah. So yeah. So do you think that was the end of the war, Beth? Was that it? Because you're just like, okay. Aegon seems like a pacifist, right? Yeah. He's, yeah, like, oh, he's just gonna, just gonna, gonna let gonna that go. Yeah, I guess that's um, not ours. We'll leave it alone. So, yeah, so it didn't actually just end there, actually. Mm. No. Uh, listeners, it, the war actually dragged on for another seven years. Yeah. So that's a long time to be at war. Now, it, it wasn't like active war for seven years. No, it was just... It was like pop-up war. Pop-up, yeah. <laughs> like a lovely little pop-up war. Yeah. Visit your local pop-up war this weekend. <laughs> we'll have vintage Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, cute little axes covered in blood. Well, we had well just about all the assass- there's a lot of assassinations. Mm-hmm. Well, and the wall with the, the wedding too, and that yeah, was gross. it was it's really fucked up. And then um, you know, Oris Baratheon, he had been kidnapped in this previous war. Yes. Um, and his men slaughtered like pigs. 
So he had been kicked and kidnapped and a bunch of other people. They were ransomed back to King's Landing for their weight in gold. Mm-hmm. But the widow lover, Will of Will, had not just uh, like tortured them or anything, he'd cut off their sword hand. So they could never again take up arms against Dorne. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty shitty, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And it happens like this again, it's sort of future stuff, but it does happen to another character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we can talk about later mm-hmm. it's another spoilery thing but king egon obviously was like not like oh i'm happy about that that's fine so in retaliation he went up uh to the wills on balerion and basically burnt the shit out of their mm-hmm. of will yep or he tried to but again the wills took refuge in caves and tunnels and the widow lover lived for another 20 years so it didn't the will anything. of Just will <laughs> Had a lot of will. will. (laughs) I have a slightly tinfoily question for you at this point. I love that. I love tinfoily questions. Yeah, tinfoil. Why do you think there are so many places in Westeros that have caves and underground dwellings? Like, it is is in so many stories. Um, Mm. I've seen some tinfoily theories that it's to do with something maybe to do with the Long Night or a whatever it was that caused the seasons to be weird because they're not like spring summer autumn winter a few months each the seasons are crazy this, yeah this maybe crazy. something happened and everybody needed to hide in the caves but you get it everywhere it's like Castle rock has huge caves underneath it winterfell has Dragonstone. caves and um thingy dragonstone does winterfell have caves too i thought they just <clears> had got the not it's the what do i mean the crypts? The underground. The crypts. So they've got crypts. Like, um, it's not really spoiler but alert tunnel. but there's a there is a story, if anyone... Because it's, it's not in the main stories. I think it's all right to talk about it. But uh, Tywin Lannister basically slaughters an entire house. Mm-hmm. That's part of his legend. He it's, gets he kills all the tarbacks in the rains. Yeah, two houses. Two houses, completely gone, because he floods them. But they were hiding again underground in their caves but in their castle their castle was built into a cave he, yeah he locked but they were hiding them. under the caves yeah thought they were safe and he flooded and floods, but he floods the, the halls whole and thing. everything yeah uh and they died in those floods and i, I just find it interesting because obviously the the children of the forest live in caves uh lots of people hide out in caves there's just there's a lot of places in of castles and westeros that seem to have yeah i'm not maybe not the bad i don't have the best tinfoiling answer to me it's um more just that they're they're a defensive place in general so it'd be natural for um castles to be built near them uh you know for the sake of defending or hiding in general so to me it's logistical rather than tinfoily but why why do you think there's so many caves well i don't know but it's just interesting and i have read and heard about slightly tinfoil theories that some some people say there was like um oh what do i mean like not like nuclear but some kind of terrible natural disaster and people built that had to hide in their caves and that's why the seasons are off off kilter like the um <clears throat> wasn't there isn't there like a reason why this the seasons are off because of maybe that the moon exploded or something and dragons came out of it or that is what people say like like something to do with it yeah that, the, that's why that was in 
That's like there was some terrifying natural disaster, mm-hmm. and there is a theory that that's why people have underground abodes and dwellings so that they could take cover from whatever that was. Hmm. I don't know. It it, is, it pops up into my brain that it comes up a lot. That there is an underground dwelling everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere, um, in most places. But again, you're probably right. It's probably just logistical and castles. Well, because have caves. I mean, Scotland has <laughs> caves and Canada has caves, and everywhere yeah. in the world has caves, and they were used for different mm. purposes. And um, mm. most of our really cool history is found in caves. <laughs> that is true. That's true. So it just—it was just one of those things that I went, "Oh, more mention of hiding in caves." Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really have a personal tinfoil theory on it, but it's one that I've heard that I don't really remember a lot of. But there is, there is, I think, quite. I've a few heard like interconnectivity there. between caves and tunnels, primarily in the north, um, mm-hmm. and I think there could be something to that. Um, I don't know if those caves and tunnels once connected all the way to Dorne. Who knows? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and um, yeah, I, I have no idea. But it just, it, it just interests me that caves mm-hmm. come up a lot in the series. There's a lot of caves in castles, underneath castles. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of mention in it, and I wonder if it's got anything to do with, and this is slightly spoilery, like the long night, or well, it's not that spoilery because Egon's had a dream that yeah, something yeah, terrible is going to come from the, the north, so we've yeah. covered that. But is it is it something to do with that? Was it for people to hide in? I think the I Dornish know. use their caves quite well. They do they maybe better than well. anyone that's, else. That's probably where they've been hiding this mm-hmm. whole time. Yeah, essentially. So yeah. So anyway. So. They, they will will of will used his case very well hid from Balerion and no one was hurt in no at all very little Dornish blood spilled very 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 little there was loads of tit for tat nonsense loads of little things people attacking from the stepstones burning stuff the Targaryens would just suddenly burn a castle in Dawn and Dawn would suddenly attack a Stormlander and castle they kept coming back Visenya came back again in I think 9 AC and they burnt Sandstone Vaith and Hellholt again mm-hmm. it, it it's kind of a petty war really isn't it it's, no one's really winning no and no. it's just going on and on and on. And it's, in my opinion, it's really silly of Dorne to to keep. I mean, what happens next is is the the wedding, right? <clears throat> it's, and that's yeah. So it's yeah. silly to me that Dorne keeps doing that because it sort of keeps. Aegon does a lot, uh, like when it's t- like you said, it's tit for tat. So it's like if Dorne would stop provoking, and just say we're not bowing, but we're not fighting either. Mm. Which essentially but I think is it's speak- well. The person who provoked first was Egon. Yes, yes. One. But so they went back, and then they go back, and then yeah. they go back, and, they, and the, yeah. it's talked a little bit about like vengeance is a very big part of the stories in general. Yeah, it comes up a lot. I think it's going to be a big part of Winds of Winter when it comes out. Oh yeah, I mean, it's... but this is the, this is the cycle of vengeance, isn't it? It mm-hmm. just goes on and on and on, and then um, so after Visenya burned. Uh, and Aegon burned Sandstone Vaith and Hellhorn. Hellhorn? No. Hellholt. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, the Dornish got back at them and Lord Fowler led an army through the Prince's Pass uh, into the Reach. So this is why the Reach, like a lot of the books, the people in the Reach and the Stormlands really hate the Dornish. And you can maybe understand why. Might be understandable. So that they 
they did it so fast. They invaded. They went really, really fast. They managed to burn loads of villages um, and then capture Nightsong, which is this huge castle, before those lords even realised that they were there. Then Lord Hightower and Old Town sent a force to go and retake Nightsong, but the Dornish were ready for them. And then a, so a second Dornish army. So they were already like... Prepared. Oh, they had a big plan. They had a big plan yeah. in place, yeah. So they, they sent Sir Joffrey Dane, which I'm excited about. House Dane. Hello, House, House Dane. Dane. We haven't heard Hello. very much about you. No. I'm very interested in House Dane. We haven't Dane. heard very much about you, period. End of story. Yes, at all. We need to know more about you. <laughs> yes. What are your house words? Um, <laughs> so everything. Yeah, exactly. So they sent um, a Dornish army with Sir Joffrey Dane. They came from Starfall and then they attacked Old Town. They, they couldn't overcome the, the walls of Old Town, so mm-hmm. they couldn't do loads of stuff but Dane but basically Dane burned all the fields farms and villages for like miles and miles all around the whole place all around old town yeah so so, and he killed Lord Hightower's son Garmin as well and then when Sir Adam Hightower reached Nightsong he found that Lord Fowler had basically burnt the castle and killed all of the men in it Mm -hmm. and Lord Karen, that so the like Night Song is the house of Lord Karen. So Lord Karen, his wife and his children, they'd all been kidnapped and taken back to Dawn as captives. Yeah. And so rather than chasing into Dawn about them, Sir Adam was like, Shush, fuck this, I'm gonna go and help out Old Town again. Yeah. But essentially Sir Joffrey Dane's armies had melted had back left. into Dawn. Yeah. They'd already left. They're so good at this. The Dawnish just like they seem to anticipate things better. They're like, we'll just go in, we'll burn stuff, we'll get out. Yeah. We're not going to give fight. We're just going to go in, get away. Yeah. That's, we know I we think their over goal towns, so we'll is always their crops. not really to fight. We're not here for no. a fight. We're just here to mm. make a mess. And I think we could talk about it later in spoilery sections about how this continues even centuries later, mm-hmm. really. Like there's a definite yeah. culture of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, pretty awful and then what do you think happened? was that the end of it did Aegon just go okay mm-hmm. fine Totes. I've lost sounds like Aegon but no Aegon went back in he uh, went to Skyreach which was the seat of Lord Fowler and burnt there he wanted to make it a second Harrenhal and yeah. Visenya went off to Starfall and then this is when Rhaenys went to the Hellholt and there was a lot of really big, terrible tragedy. Tragedy, depending on what side you're on. Depending on what side you're on. But basically the Targaryens had been in many, many wars. The, the dragons had been hurt with arrows and stuff, but it never really done very much. But No, it doesn't they, get through their scale for the most part. No, it doesn't get through their scales, exactly. It's too thick. But essentially, I think the Dornish... I don't know whether this was a weapon that they used before or whether they built it specifically to try and take on a dragon, but they had a scorpion, which is like a huge arrow. If you've yeah, seen like a long you bolt. see them. It's humongous. It's yes. massive. It's like a big um, crossbow thing, but it's massive. And essentially, it got Meraxes right in the eye. Ow. Ouch. In the eye. Yeah. And he went down. He went down. He, he went did down. not die immediately. He crashed. No. He crashed down. He crashed straight into the Hellholt, mm-hmm. uh, and then he just basically destroyed a lot of the Hellholt, actually destroyed loads of it, and the yeah. Curtain Wall. And they said the fate of Rainies is unknown. They yep. don't know if she 
died. Did she die straight away? Yeah. Or what? Do you, what do you think? Do you think she died straight mm. away? Some people well, say I she think, was... Well, I think it has to do with the letter. So I'm going to chat. I think we should chat about our Arrhenius theories when we talk about okay. the letter. Okay. When we talk That's about okay. the letter. Okay, cool. So basically, people, we don't know whether she died immediately. Was she just taken captive? Uh, some people say maybe she was tormented and tortured to death later on by the Ullas, who are the house of Hellholt. Yeah. On River Brimstone. <laughs> Sorry. Just on the River Brimstone. <laughs> exactly. On the River Brim. Come to my lovely holiday home. It's on the River Brimstone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, think I'll, I think instead uh, I yeah. will go somewhere else, actually. I think on I'll the pass. River lovely. Lovely, me, lovely yeah. river. Can I visit Starfall instead? Sounds a little yeah, nicer. Thank you. <laughs> I'd rather even go to Stinktown or whatever it's called. <laughs> Stinky. Yeah. Then then go to the River Brimstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, that was the end of Rainey's. She was, was dead. Rainey's. Um, in 10 AC. Aegon's favorite fallen. Oh. She's mm-hmm. gone. And he took he took that laying down, right? He was just yeah, like, he was hey, fine. Guess war's over. He was absolutely fine about it. He was just like War is bad. No one seems to be winning. I'm going to become a peaceful man now. I will just be the king of the six kingdoms. It's fine by me. Yes, exactly. Wait, no, that's wrong. It's the exact opposite. Total opposite. (laughs) (laughs) Like, apparently they called the next two years the years of the dragon's wrath. Wrath. So -hmm. as you can imagine, it was a peaceful time. And basically... Every single castle in Dawn, except for Sunspear, was, they say, was burnt three times over. Why wasn't Sunspear burnt three times over? I don't know. Because you would think... Sunspear, that's the capital. Yeah. Why wouldn't you burn That's That's Sunspear? where the liege, the, the ruling family is. Yeah. So why wouldn't you burn it Sunspear? It doesn't make sense to me. He basically no. went and burnt everybody. Apparently he did it... it the, the sounds were in Hellholt, round Hellholt where... Rainies fell. It apparently burnt so much that the sand turned to, turned glass, to glass, which is cool. Yeah, wicked. That's so cool. I would definitely go and collect some of that up and mm-hmm. put it in yep. artwork around my house. Mm-hmm. So all of the Dornish lords had to go and hide. Four successive lords of Hellholt were all murdered, just one after the other. Murder, murder, yeah. murder. Yeah. And the Iron Throne offered a lord's ransom to anyone who could bring basically the head of any Dornish of lord. Any Dornish lord, just yeah. kill anyone. All of them. And bring me their heads. And then whoever killed them... Whoever did. And mm. some people did collect the ransom, but then as soon as they went to party with their reward, they were executed. Oh, Dorne yeah. Dorne was very so, good at retaliating. Yeah. It's not like Dorne just, like, well, like, oh, shit, we'll just hide. No. No, they, um, only two of them actually lived to collect the rewards. Yeah. Um, but then he, the one killed was killed. Him. Yeah, and they, but they also killed, there was one of them who collected the reward and then was killed in a brothel, mm. like, the next day. Yeah. So obviously the Dornish had people everywhere, or at least money yeah. to pay to get people. Oh, absolutely. Executed. They had assassins play in places. So mm-hmm. Lord Connington of Griffin's Roost was killed whilst hunting, and the Lord Merton of Mistwood was poisoned with his whole household. Yes. Not just him, mm-hmm. but everybody with a cask of Dornish wine. <laughs> um and Lord Feld was smothered in a brothel. That was the one. the one. Yeah. Smothered yeah. in a brothel in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. By hopefully by some lovely boobies. I mean, for his sake. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna be I smothered really in a brothel, let's hope. <laughs> or maybe some oh no, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me laugh too hard. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Oh, Beth is being an absolute like champion today because she is had just had major oral work. Not major. <laughs> not major. <laughs> I just said it. So yeah, she's just had like uh, half her mouth removed and mashed up. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, so. no. I just one wisdom tooth pulled out, so yeah, it's okay. She's got less wisdom now, guys. I know. That's why. 
That's why I'm not as wise this episode, guys. Dude, I've got no wisdom. Never even grew a wisdom tooth. <laughs> you never grew one? I thought for a long no. time I didn't grow one, grow any either. And no. then Good they came in very late in my life. Just And I don't have bottoms, just tops. She's got no bottoms. I've got no bottoms. Top. Yeah, just the top. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got no... You've got obviously got more wisdom than I am. I am not wisdomous. No. Um, never very, even had any. Very wisdomous. Oh, oh, um, oh, sorry. We should probably talk about our podcast. Oh, yeah, so basically that. everyone was killing everyone. And actually three times the king was attacked himself. It wasn't even just the lords. Mm-mm. And he nearly died twice. But he had guards. And Queen Visenya was attacked as well. Badass Queen Visenya. And two was of like... her escorts were killed before Visenya herself Cut killed them the rest down of with Dark with Sister. Dark. Yeah. Boom. I, I wrote boom in my in my <laughs> notes. Nice. Yeah, go Queen Visenya. And it just it just goes on and on. The part the infamous act of the bloody age, it says, occurred in twelve AC. I have written several times in my notes, what the fuck at this point. Because mm. this is just grim. So prepare yeah. yourselves. If you're not if you have a weak stomach, prepare yourself. So again, will of will. Mm-hmm. The widow lover. A in twelve AC arrived uninvited to the wedding of Sir John Catherine, heir to Fawntown. He was marrying Alice Oakheart, daughter to the Lord of Old Oak. He was admitted through a postern gate by a treacherous servant, and the will attackers slew Lord Oakheart and most of the wedding guests, then made the bride look on as they gelded her husband. If you don't know what gelding means, it's cut the penis off. Mm -hmm. Castrate. Well I guess castrate would be the balls, so gelding is the opposite. Yeah, I think it's just penis, isn't it? The pillar, not the stones. <laughs> well, I'll have to, I'll Google it later. What is castration? <laughs> and after they afterwards, they took it in turns uh, raping Lady Alice and her handmaids, yeah. then carried yeah. them off and sold them to a Moorish slaver. Yeah. So that's delightful. Nice, isn't it? My favorite story. Yeah. Honestly, that is brutal. I've that's Ugh. why I've written what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, many yeah. many times. Yeah. It's like the part, and it's funny because Rainey's Falls, and we know that this this is the part in this war yeah. that stands out the most to me. Is this? It's grim. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It, awful. it seems like it's... again, though. It feels like, and it, and we'll talk about this later, but it does feel like foreshadowing in many ways. Mm. Well, it just nothing. No one, no one benefits. There's no winner here. Done. There's no winner, and the worst part is, it's the small folk are suffering. No one really ever thinks of the small folk what they're mm. going it's their crops that are being burned it's their but it's all the that things are... that feed the liege lords mm. right and, and yeah. yeah be the same and, Dorn, i mean they're and the ones it's not even it's, it's not even just the people taking part they must sit plotting and going well who else like what's alice oakheart done to anyone i know <laughs> why is she yeah being repeatedly raped and then sold off to a slate like oh that's... god I know. That's just horrendous. I can't imagine. Like, as much as I enjoy the Dornish warfare, I can't, I can't, no one can condone and go, well, this, that seems fair. <laughs> like, yeah, that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I quite like their style of fighting. The fact, because I don't like fighting. I don't like war. No. But their style of, well, we'll not fight. We'll just be sneaky and. Yeah. But this is extra blah, blah. dirty, for sure. This yeah. one's, yeah. 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 It, and it, and it's so unnecessary. I mean, I feel like I don't know why I'm even making this point. It just doesn't even need to be made that these things are atrocities and entirely no no need. And I do wonder if this will, and we can talk about it, spoiler section. Sorry, I seem like, I feel like I'm saying that a million times today, but 
that that is this foreshadowing of anything to come in in the main story will we ever will people in Westeros ever learn essentially <laughs> do people ever learn do people ever learn wasn't it there was a folk song Joan Baez where have all the flowers gone and she sings when will they ever learn when will they ever learn yeah it's about war it's an anti-war song so i imagine being an old hippie girl probably knows that song quite well yeah it probably does yeah but by this point dawn was like nothing it had been burnt to shit in fact it was called a blasted land by traders from the free cities even so house martel was still in their own words, unbowed, unbent, unbroken. Indeed. One Dornish knight was brought before Queen Visenya as a captive and insisted that Mariah Martel would sooner see the people dead than be slaves to House Targaryen. And she said that they'd be happy to oblige the princess, which Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that's... I wonder if the Dornish are like this. They said we'd rather be dead than be slaves because in their history of being Roynish, they understand what it's like to be Enslaved. A slave. It's true. Enslaved, yeah. especially to Valyrians. Mm-hmm. And perhaps this is why they are so determined. Vehemently against it. Yeah. Absolutely possible. never again to be part of that. Valyrian overlords in general. Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Runs deep. Yeah. So so what ends the war, Steph? What, how does it well, end? Eventually, Mariah Martel, <laughs> this is a great story, she dies. She dies. And there are, it's rumoured that she died in her bed having intimate relations with a stallion. Mm-hmm. Yes, very very <laughs> Catherine the Great, yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Written lol <laughs> in paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but her son, Nymor, Prince Nymor, succeeded her. So she did, died of natural causes. Or maybe it was the stallion's penis, who knows. Her son, Nymor, succeeded her. But he was already 60 years old. I mean, how old the f- does that make Princess Mariah if her, if her son is 60? Well, if kids were people were having kids in their teens, she probably, you know so what I mean? She, yeah, probably. Look, still, at, uh, like, look at our current monarch situation. Well yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the queen lived to 96, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, because what's, um, what's his name? Charles is in his 60s, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I just think she lived because she really didn't want him to be the king. I agree. <laughs> like, so determined. <laughs> I will not die. I will not. So yeah, so he was 60 and had already bad health. He uh, had no taste for war anymore, didn't want any more slaughter on He his didn't land. have the I stomach mean, his mom had. No. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, by this point, the war's been going on for so many years. And like oh, I said, yeah. Dawn is it's a mess. Like they've had to burn their crops, they poisoned their wells. The yeah, this blasted. would have impacted them just as much as it did. Like they knew yeah. how to live off the land, but when they poisoned their own water just to not have the enemies mm-hmm. come in, I mean, it's not yeah, good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he had no desire to keep going. So he sent a delegation to King's Landing with the, and again, this is interesting and we'll talk about it maybe with this letter. He sent the skull of Meraxes, mm-hmm. not the bones of Rainies, mm-hmm. but just the skull of Meraxes. Mm-hmm were sent back to King's Landing with his own daughter and heir, Daria, or Daria. Daria? Daria. Whatever. Whatever you want to say. I'm going to say Daria. He... So they didn't like it. Queen Visenya wanted to kill her on the spot. Um, No peace without submission, she said. Mm -hmm. And Oris Baratheon, who uh, was 
not a particularly happy man. Obviously, he's lost his sword hand. Yes, and he was a um, warrior, so losing his sword he's hand a would, warrior. Be, so would he be insulting for him. They should send her back to her father without a hand as well. Yep, choppity chop. Lord Oakheart, who by this point was probably a little bit jaded, little, maybe, maybe, sent a raven saying that she should be sent, sold into the meanest brothel in King's Landing till every beggar in the city has had his pleasure of her. After what happened to his presumed daughter, yes. I yeah, don't exactly. blame him necessarily. No, but still, it's not really. Again, it's not it's good. Gonna end, it's not it's good. It's never no. going to end, man. No. Yeah. Like, if you keep doing this. So, but King yeah. Aegon said, nope, she's come as an envoy under a banner of peace. No one's going to harm and her. And and finally, Aegon was, was wary of war. Yeah. He was over it for once. I'm over this, guys. I'm done. I have none left. Some people thought that it meant that Rhaenys had died in vain, blah, blah, blah. And they all cautioned him that this would be a sign of weakness if mm-hmm. he were to uh, listen to her. And obviously, the understandably, the people from the Reach, the, mar- the you know, the Dornish marches, all the people on the border were just like, no, we can't. Like, they have had years and years oh, yeah. now of being yeah. attacked and all of those things. And they were even worried for her safety. They were told that she should all ha- always have an escort, even in King's Landing, because she because the be small folk the might people. attack her. Yeah, mm-hmm. not just the yeah. lords, but the small folk might attack her. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. But then Princess Daria, Daria. I'm gonna go with. What did you call the? What did you call the yellow toad? Mariah. So I'm gonna so go with Daria. Daria. Yeah. Well, it sounds like diarrhea. It was then that Princess Daria presented the king with a sealed letter from her father. So the letter was presented when when she thought Aegon was not going to concede. No, right. So it was like this. This is the last resort. This is the last resort. She presents it and says, "For your eyes only, your grace. For your eyes only." It's a song, James Bond. Anyone? No. 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 Okay. Cool. <laughs> and so. I'll read this bit because <clears throat> it's really interesting. King Aegon read Prince Nymor's words in open court, stone-faced and silent, while seated on the Iron Throne. When he rose afterward, men said his hand was dripping blood. He burned the letter and never spoke of it again, but that night he mounted Balerion and flew off across the waters of Blackwater Bay to Dragonstone upon its smoking mountain. When he returned the next morning, King Aegon Targaryen agreed to the terms proposed, proposed by Nymor. Soon thereafter, he signed a treaty of eternal peace with Dawn. So, mm-hmm. Beth, what the fuck what? was in that letter? Yeah. The first time I read Fire and Blood, that was my biggest conundrum, was what the fuck was we in don't that know. letter? We don't know. To this day, we have no, no idea have no what was idea. in it. This is, spoiler alert, down the line, this question is not answered. At no. least not yet, in At any fashion. Yet, no. So what do you think was in the letter? I don't know. Some people say it was a plea from one father to another. Heartfelt words that touched Egon's heart. Others said it was a list of all the lands and noblites who had lost their lives during the war. Nope. Certain septums would just make him more mad. suggest that the missive was ensorcelled. Oh, yes. That it put a spell on him, mm-hmm. written by the yellow toad before her death. In Rainy's blood, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And what are the, one of the Grand Maesters concluded that Dawn no longer had the strength for fight and that... He said Prince Nymor might have threatened that should the peace be refused to engage the faceless men of Bravos to kill Egon's son and heir, Queen Rhaenys' boy, Aenys. I feel like all of those things just would have enraged Aegon more. Would have I think so. Egged him I don't know. More. So I don't think any of those are accurate. I, this is my I have theory. I have two theories. Okay, I want to hear your two theories, please. Okay. Tell me all about them. 
Okay, so theory one. Earlier, we they the book talks about that wager between Dorne and Can I just say I'm sitting down with some snacks? Have I'm some gonna snacks. listen yeah. to some Have snacks. Like, now. Get your popcorn out. Well, get ready. Get my popcorn ready. Perfect. Tell me all about it. Perfect. Go. Okay. So um yeah, so earlier in this chapter they talk about um the Dornish lords and how they had that wager of how long they could keep somebody alive um by by tormenting them and dismembering them. Mm, so lovely. Beautiful, beautiful fate. Um I think my this is my favorite. This is the one that I oh, not for rainy's sake, but that I want it to be. I want it to be that in fact Rainies didn't die. And was alive and tortured and never healed from her fall and kept at Hellhold. And Aegon never ever tried to find out her fate. He never went to Hellhold. He never did anything to try and get her body or her bones back. Or and it's if he did, it's not documented anywhere in this book, that's for sure. So That is so true. Right? He I mean, yeah. I feel like if this was the woman that you loved more than anything in the world, wouldn't you care where she ended up? laid to rest wouldn't you have well that's why i pointed out that they didn't even bring her bones back exactly exactly so that i think that it's possible that a second envoy was sent to dragonstone or bigger tinfoil Aegon didn't actually go to dragonstone at all but he went to hellholt and and gave rainy's mercy Mm. and took her home or whatever what so he went to hellholt found her there Took her and home what? and killed her, probably. Took Put her, her out of her misery. Or or she was brought to Dragonstone. Why would it broke her peace forever? I think that he, they, well, the savagery, for one, he would just, I mean, I think he that would lose heart. He would think that he had failed her more and that he needs to do, I don't know, better for the realm. Broke her peace forever. So maybe as a peace offering, maybe she was brought back to him alive. My other theory. Mm-hmm is i still think i don't know i just like the idea of him being the one to actually kill her but it's like here i will give you your queen you can put her out of her misery and give her the end that she deserves and mm-hmm. and that's that so so that's my first theory so my other theory is that as you said her body wasn't returned but the skull of Moraxes was so maybe he flew to dragonstone because again the second envoy was sent to dragonstone um with her bones to settle them, to settle that, and it, it, it's a peace offering, right? That's you know what you do. This is this has never been mm-hmm. resolved for you. I'm going to resolve it for you. Here's her bones. You can lay her to rest as you please, and then that's that. But I feel I don't know why, but that just the, I don't think I feel like George can be purposeful with with where he puts information in, and mm-hmm. so not and where he doesn't um, is just as purposeful sometimes. So never ever yeah. addressing her body, but addressing. Um, Miraxi's body, mm-hmm. but not Rainey's, to me is is important. And as you said, it stood out to you too. But also mm-hmm. just that tidbit of the fact that they were known to try to keep people alive for as long as they could. They knew how to do it. They knew how to torture people and mm-hmm. keep them alive. Um, Rainey's fell in 10 AC and the Yellow Toad died in 13 AC. So keeping her alive and in mm-hmm. pain for three years. Ooh. I mean, they yeah, nice. Namor would be like this is wrong here. I don't want war anymore. I'm going to give you your, your biggest prize back to you. Do with it as you feel right. Mm. Those, are, those are my theories. Oh, it's so interesting because they've been so, as we've mentioned, there's been so much back and forth, tip for tat, 
what about this particular time meant but that again, he didn't go he was final. he was already weary of it he was tired of war mm. and i think his hand was raised with blood like i i think it for him he knew that his warring time mm. was done but i've read it i have read a theory that actually she was she did live the fall from Maraxes, um mm-hmm. but that she'd fallen in love with a dornish lord because she'd been back she'd been to dawn a few times she had yeah and i've read it's a nonsense theory but it's still (laughs) love a bit of nonsense that she'd (laughs) fallen in love with a dornish lord there that's not a theory that's a fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) yeah true um and essentially in the letter it was like she is alive actually yeah and but she's living here happy so yeah, I don't like to not maybe yeah don't burn her worship don't burn her happiness no I think mm. it's a lot more tragic than that I don't think I think honestly if because he was she was Egon's favorite so mm-hmm. if he and she loved she him too so yeah. yeah do you think we'll ever find out what was in the letter do you think it will ever come up I kind of do I kind of think George wrote but it that how? way to to be in so because he burnt it who else would have seen it I think it's possible that. Um, Maybe George had a hope for a TV thing. I mean, there's a lot of information given in House of the Dragon so far with the Dance of the Dragons mm, mm. Um, that isn't present in the book. We'll get to that and differences later when we get there. But so I think it's possible that George was maybe saving it for another story or mm. another um, storytelling uh, way to tell the story. Speaking of show things, if the prophecy is true and correct, and I'm more and more convinced that Egon had a prophecy. Mm-hmm which we'll get onto in many, many later chapters as to why yes. the words ice and fire, um, you know, his a song of ice and fire comes into it. And there's more times when ice and fire is mentioned by other people, but because obviously Egon would have had that in his mind that I need a united kingdom um, around me. I need a united kingdom. So do you think he was affected by that when he was reading the letter? Do you think some part of him was thinking, I can't win this and I can't, if I'm going to war with these people, I I won't be able to fight the real enemy. I'm fighting the wrong people. Maybe considering they didn't, it does, he didn't seem to know when the others, when the long night, when the prophecy would come. No, he had no maybe, idea. Maybe, maybe he felt that this was better than nothing. But again, like what mm. in the Dornish letter would convince him of that? Mm. So. I hope we one day find out. Maybe George will just do a little... I don't see how it will come up naturally in the books, but maybe one day... No, I don't think it'll come up naturally in the books, unless someone in Dorne might still know. That might have been passed down information. Just because the Targaryens don't have it anymore doesn't mean the Dornish don't. So it's it's possible Uh, that it can come out in that way. Um, I would really love... That would be really cool. Right? (gasps) Yeah, because I've always just given up hope, thinking I will never know. But actually, no, I think Dora that and Martel might know. I think for the same reason that things were left um, open ended in in the book for for the dance. I think he has a way mm. that he wants to tell this story. Mm. So I think he'll find a way to do it. Well, so listeners, we love feedback. So uh, so tell us what your theory yeah, is. What was in the letter? Add us, add us yeah. at uh, Kiss Podcast on Twitter with what your theory is about that letter. What was in the letter? What was in the letter? Mm-hmm. Probably a good point. For-
for Beth, would you like to do some shout out to some of our patrons? Sure, I really would. Yes. So our uh, our lovely patrons, we have uh, a nice little handful. We have uh, we do shout outs for anyone in our ice spiders and above. So our our lovely dire wolf level, we have crispy the song of ice, and our ice spiders level, we have Julie Beth of Julie Beth. I can't even say my own name. <laughs> Julie Beth of Tarth. That's I'm not Julie Beth of Tarth, but I'm my name is Beth, and I can't say it anyway. Um, Airhead. Um, we have Scad, and then we have the King Beyond the Wall. Cool. Hello there to all of you, and thank you for being on. Thank patrons. you, thank we you, thank really you. Really appreciate it, and we love you very, 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 very much. Dearly, we love you dearly. We actually have some questions this week from one of our other patrons at the uh, Grumpsons. I can't speak either. <laughs> Grumpkins and Snarks level, mm-hmm. and that is mixed mage of the Wolfswood has sent us three questions. Three the questions. Answer. Three. Sounds like from Monty Python. What is your favorite color? So I'm going to ask these questions, and we'll see how we get on. Mm-hmm. The first one she wants to know is which. What is one of your favorite outfits throughout House of the Dragon or Game of Thrones? Do you have one, Beth? Yeah, I. Uh... I, lo- I love Cersei's look when she's like crowned in um, in Game of Thrones. I like mm. when she has that short cropped hair. I was oh, yeah. really this is spoilery, but I'm just going to assume that everyone here's watched the show. Um, I really, really when they were doing the promo for that season, it was like her final two seasons, and her her necklines kept creeping higher. And I really hoped they would do the choking Valancourt um theory or or a thing in the in the show i really thought they would because her necklines would come up and there would be spikes on her collar and i Mm -hmm. thought that was just like a a way of Mm -hmm. like her subconscious tying into her fashion of not wanting to get strangled like her her own prophecy that was i loved it and then in house of the dragon i mean all of them but um the green the green dress was good i didn't oh, love yeah. i didn't love the moment i didn't love how it was displayed necessarily but the green dress mm. and um i loved the um all of rhaenyra's yeah. um, targaryen-esque gowns and stuff they were just yeah. amazing i did particularly love rhaenyra's um i know it's obvious to say it but when she's uh a pr- a mentally preparing for war in that scene. No, it's the oh. one where it's not caught crowned. It's when she's like proclaimed as heir, the official heir. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah, she and she's got the... the most incredible embroidered. I mean, I don't even want to think yeah. how long that take took to make oh with gosh, all yeah. of the symbols of all of the houses on it. It was just amazing. Like I, I did love the green dress. I thought it was beautiful, really beautiful. But that that outfit there, and oh, do you know who else is? bit weird i really enjoyed rainy's she had like some kind of trouser outfit oh yeah when she was like probably out riding or something she'd probably been out riding and she just looked like she'd just come in off a horse or or something yeah yeah she had her hair down a bit and just a bit tomboyish i i looked a little bit like a pirate i don't know Mm -hmm. i just i loved it it was hot it was a good look Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's really cool because you don't often see that. Lots of the women are always wearing dresses and and like we're we're female presenting. I think for us it's easy for us to look at look at what the girls are wearing. But like, but we mm. have to acknowledge that the men had some really good looks too. There was some mm. not so in both series. In the end. No, <laughs> well, you know what? For Viserys, um, yeah. yeah, I was like, no, the other Viserys. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, so no. Um, but his costuming and um, Damon's costuming were exceptional. Oh, yeah. They were just so good. Yeah. 
In fact, I'd say that all of the shows, like the, the attention mm-hmm. to detail. I really liked Lenore's um, costuming. His, mm-hmm. his might have been some of my favorite for the, mm-hmm. the male side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they did really well. He was like, and, and in uh, Game of Thrones, for me, it would probably be uh, Renly's, actually. Oh, yeah, Renly. <laughs> they did well, well yeah, at, but, like but the blending, movie. yeah, exactly. But I loved how they took that and they, they did the, that mm. George does in the books, the blending of the Tyrell with the Baratheon. And, and I mm-hmm. thought they did, they do well with it. I like it a lot. I just think they did really well with all of them. Like, mm-hmm. The only ones yeah. I never liked particularly was Daenerys season eight with her white coat and red scarf. I could, I yeah, could it looked that. like she skinned ghost. Yeah. And warm yes. as a coat. Yeah. 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 Didn't like that. Wasn't my favorite. Truthfully, most of Daenerys looks, I didn't love. I didn't take mm. to them. There was, yeah, not very many seasons where I, I liked that she was influenced so greatly by Essos. And, mm. but mm. I don't know. It, her looks were never my favorite. No. Sansa's were better. Cersei's were better. I think I've seen pictures of, I think some of the characters, I think, um, who played the younger Alicent? Was it Emily Carey? No. Yeah. Who played? Yeah. Wasn't it? She yeah. was like, I can't be trusted to eat my lunch. So they, they, obviously they've got these incredible gowns. Yeah. And there's a picture of her on Instagram or something. Yes. And they like, had to cover like a, her in some kind of cloth or something. It's a bit, yeah. <laughs> so, that would be me. I would, no, that would be me. I can't wear any, no. I was constantly dropping food on myself. Yes. I'm like, so disgusting. These right here, and I'm gesturing people to my boobs, they are crumb catchers. Like, they, it, like <laughs> I'm just, nothing makes it to my mouth. Something always falls there. If I would be covered it in crumbs it. for me. I am no, honestly I know. Soup, so tea. messy. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with me. I seem to spill drinks just straight out my mouth. <laughs> you know, in airplane, he says, I've got a drinking problem. And he just pours the drink like yeah. down the side of his face. That's me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I just miss yeah. my mouth. I do too. Uh, I can't wear white. I do too. When yeah. I got married. I know. Like, this is dangerous. I yeah. cannot wear Only white. Only just I've... this year, I've started to wear mm-hmm. white again. Only just this year. I think I've got one white thing and it's basically, I can't wear it. It's got stains. <laughs> yeah. It, it was like my children needed to turn like old enough that I didn't mm-hmm. have their hands and stuff but it, but it's a dangerous day if I'm wearing white I'm like no one even breathes near me I'm I'm bad enough yeah. on my own I had this like I was out with a friend over the holidays uh for lunch we went to this restaurant I ordered a glass of red wine and somehow I don't even know how I did it but somehow I managed I was picking it up and somehow it like the wine like it was like I don't the gravity doesn't work this way but it literally like like whipped out of the glass and flung oh at my friend across the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like got a little bit on her, but she was wearing dark clothes. It wasn't too bad. But I'm like, how did I mm-hmm. even, how am I even, gravity doesn't work this way. How did I make oh, that happen? So I'm gravity. capable of great things. They're just disastrously mm-hmm. great. Um, I made I made a new friend this year, which I'm very excited about. But when I first time that I met her, I was on a, a writing uh, conference weekend away and she thought I was absolutely off my tits with, with booze because the first thing I did was spill <laughs> loads of wine over the bed. Oh my She's god, like, I oh, love How it. much have you had to drink? Was... And I was like, no, it's just me. And yeah. now she knows me well enough to know, like, she's like, oh, it's just you. Stand back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you yeah. and I are are kindred spirits because yeah. I'm the same way. It's bad. And I'm clumsy as heck. I can trip over like a blade of grass. It's yeah. not good. Yeah. Yeah, I always say to people I can fall over while lying down. Yes, um, yes. 
I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I would be the person who would not be trusted with a nice costume. Anyway, Next question, question two. Now this this one got me because I, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know how to answer. So this is a fuck, marry, kill question. Now mm-hmm. it's I don't know whether you want to do both. It's an and or situation. So the well, first list is Jon Snow, Daenerys, Samwell, mm-hmm. and or Rhaenyra, Alicent, and Lena. Mm-hmm. So that's fuck, marry, kill. Jon Snow, Daenerys, Samwell, and or Rhaenyra, Alicent, and Lena. So it's easier for me to answer Rhaenyra, Alicent, and Lena. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. But tell me why. Well, because I don't like I don't like the greens, so I would kill Allison. <laughs> <laughs> Easy killer. Easy Next. peasy. And then I would probably fuck Rhaenyra but marry Lena. Yes, I agree. I yeah. completely agree. That's how I would do it as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But John, Danny, and Sam, that's hard for me. Yeah. Because yeah. would you mm. So this is something I probably should have said. Maybe you should have known this before we got a podcast together. Like, fair warning. But I don't like Sam. Why? Because he, because he missed you. <laughs> she's like, she's like, oh god, big breath in. We can't be friends anymore. No, wait. Why? Um, <laughs> because, because to me, he really mistreats Gilly, especially really? in the later chapters. Like, so mm-hmm. my biggest, my, I have a few things with Sam. Like, I know he's like her savior, rescue, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he gets her out of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but he sort of like loses his role. He's selfish to me and he loses his role as her savior person or her person in general. And later mm-hmm. when she has to go south, he's he's too blind to even notice that that's not her baby. And she's crying all the time. And then they have sex and then he doesn't talk to her the entire next day. This is the first time this is I've been mm-hmm. waiting a million years to do this rant okay this is the first time this woman has ever had consensual sex with a partner of her choosing Mm -hmm. and then he fucking ghosts her because he's too cowardly to talk to her about it because of because of him like because of his problems who do do you think that the night's watch is going to chase you down on a boat and behead you over something they don't even know happened like he's still like Oh my, this, that, all all of his own bullshit, not even realizing what this Mm. actually was to Gilly. And then he actually thinks to himself, he should just jump off the ship. So he has taken her from everything that is normal to her. He's taken her out of the north. She doesn't even have her child with her. And Mm. then he's just going to, he actually considers abandoning her by jumping off the boat. Okay. So I don't like him very much. I I do agree that these are issues. Absolutely. <laughs> In his not quite defense, I would say like he comes from he is very abused. Oh yes. Yeah. And probably has no idea about normal relationships. His father is a complete see you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I don't think people in that situation understand like he understands right from wrong and he's got a good heart he's just he's and he's got a lot of smarts he's book smart but he's got no street smarts none like, none whatsoever he's a little bit like you know like um Igrit tells to john like you know nothing well mm-hmm. sam knows nothing and Gilly, oh totally yeah the wildlings and the gilly like they grow up different and they grow up in harsher environments and they have to learn and grow up quickly whereas sam had a fairly privileged existence but to to in in his own way yes he did in his yeah. own way but he yeah. was also humongously 
abused. Yes, totally. And no probably question. has a completely messed up way to think about human relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, yes and no, because he he talks about being close to his mom and his sisters. Mm, yeah, he knows I know. how and to that, treat that's, women. That's true. That is true. I think he's... I definitely think even so that he's still part of the patriarchalness mm-hmm. that he sees a woman crying and he doesn't know what to do. Like I, I would say I know. Unfortunately, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about my husband who is a feminist. He's a feminist and nice, but sometimes if I'm upset about something, he just literally like panics and doesn't know what to do. Yeah, that's like, fair. There's like a kind of like a I don't know what to do with you now, mm-hmm. even though he and I've been married for nearly a decade. And we've been together for more than that. Mm-hmm. But he, and I know lots of guys. I mean, I lived with guys at university. And if I, I remember like crying over, I was reading Harry Potter, where I'm not going to spoil it, but someone dies in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the sofa, crying my eyes out. And my housemate came home. He's like a nice metrosexual man. But he was like, there, there, like patting my head. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. I think yeah. men just don't, I think men, especially in this, that sort of society, unfortunately because of the patriarchy, they don't know what to do about emotions. It's, just, just it's even his internal thoughts. He's just, he's, you know what? He's not even thinking about her. That's, I think, what mm. bothers me the most. He's too busy thinking about himself and and these repercussions that no one's going to know about it's not like there's mm. been an announcement to the night's watch to his father that he broke mm. his vows there's several no. people on this several islands um summer islanders on the ship they don't give a shit they tell no, him they to. don't give a shit yeah so exactly. what is he so afraid of and like so it's, it's mm. the selfishness that bugs me and and like i said it's really and i feel like no one ever acknowledges gilly's that one moment of her finally in her life getting some autonomy she's had no control over anything else in her life Mm, no mm. sexual control whatsoever and here she is finally having some and none of that is even acknowledged and she's getting some from from someone who's not her dad yeah i'm guessing that you don't want his fat pimp master in you then (laughs) (laughs) is he he on your kill list (laughs) Uh, he's not no i would probably i would probably and this is probably another conversation for another time but i would kill daenerys fuck sam and john sorry bum, bum, bum. yes the strange so wait turn so of what event. would you so which so you'd kill daenerys mm-hmm. what and marry who and john fuck who marry john fuck sam kill dan so you would fuck sam with his yeah. like penis so what so you would do it with him his big old pink penis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the term okay. fat pig mass just gets me going. And what, just use him and abuse him and say, yeah, that's what it's like. <laughs> that's what it's like, Sam. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wouldn't kill him. I don't think that he's, you know, I don't, I don't think he's purposely, I don't think Danny's purposely bad either. Don't, don't get mm. me wrong. But I, I, I think that, I mean, it, I don't know. I think Danny's path is going to to maybe be one where she misuses oh. her power. So you're minority reporting her and you're mm. like going to kill her in... I guess so. You're going to get her for crimes she's not committed yet. <laughs> she has committed some crimes. Not many. <laughs> not, not that many. <laughs> it's hard. Danny's, Danny's a hard character and it's one that I think we should... We'll talk about more if we get to the yeah. series. But Danny's a character that we almost only see through her own perspective. So almost everything she does is justified. 
because she justifies it to herself. It's her own brain. So it gets inter more interesting to me when you're seeing her through someone else's point of view, which we don't have a mm. lot of yet. So no. your turn. <laughs> that was a very, I was a very long winded answer, but there you go. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I find it, we need to talk about Daenerys sometime. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, as long as I didn't, as long as we only had to consummate it once, I'd probably marry Samwell. <laughs> <laughs> because I think he'd be great to talk about books. He'd be really interesting. He'd know like stuff, you know. Yeah, I'd be able to have really good chats with him, and That's he appreciates great. food, and I love that. So he and I could just sit and get really fat together, <laughs> sit on our fat asses eating stew, being amazing, <laughs> drinking ale. I would probably f now. This is where I'm stuck mm -hmm. because I wouldn't mind a bit of Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I'm more attracted to Daenerys, so I'd probably fuck her and kill him. Oh, poor John. I mean, he's dead anyway. I mean, nope. But still, I don't well, know. Well, we are, like, in this particular segment, we're assuming everyone knows what we're talking about. Because <laughs> I feel like I can't kill Sam, because that just feels like killing an innocent. Like, he's such an innocent. I can't... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, like, I can't willfully kill him. naive. Yeah. But I... I don't know if I could marry Jon Snow because he's a bit down and a bit... Mm, you know what? I think that Jon would be fine to get on with his own things and, like, give mm. the woman that he's with just some, like, independence and yeah. peace, and that would be just fine for me. Just give us some like, fucking you peace. Do, you peace do you, and, and I'll do me. And you're not hard on the eyes, so we can... Especially if he looks like Kit Harrington. Yeah, that's fair. And then Allison. Oh, we, you agreed with Allison. I've done, I agree with you on, on the other yeah. one. But this one, I'd probably have to... If you really twisted my arm and held a gun to my head, I'd probably say, marry Sam, fuck Daenerys, and kill Jon Snow. But I don't mm -hmm. like that answer. That's fair. Basically. Um, mm -hmm. At all. The third question is, what mythical question? What the fuck is a question? Creature? What is that? <laughs> um, what, what mythical creature from go. the books would you want to be real besides the sexy dragons you go first uh, um well obviously direwolves because i want to own one i've got a friend who lives near me who has a wolf it's a caledonian wolf alike it's called Ooh, and great. basically i want that dog it is it's so gentle and like like a wolf and i just basically want that dog it's recently had puppies and i want to have one of the puppies get one they're get so beautiful i might get a pup, get a pup. I haven't got time for a dog, but still, I'd still love that dog. I just think they're wonderful. Like, the connection that the Starks have to their direwolves is beautiful. The, mm -hmm. the way they're protective. And just having, like, a like a little lovely, like, big wolf to snuggle up to on a cold day. Like, yes, please. Give me some yeah. of that. That's you know? Fair. There's another creature, though, that I find really fascinating. And I don't really know... I don't really understand what it is, but I still love it. And it's the... What are they? They're in the neck. The lion snakes or the... Yeah, the, the fire lizards or whatever they are. Lion, lizard lions? That's it. Lizard, lizard lions. lions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what the hell are you? And what I want that? to know, like, what are you? What is a lizard lion? for? Like, we don't see one. They talk about them. They sound mad. Lizard mm -hmm. lion. Is it mm -hmm. a body of a lizard in the head of a lion? Does it... What... Tell me, I need to know more about what a lizard lion is because mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, my answer is tricky because I don't, 
I don't know. Like I, I want to dire wolves the, to me, the easy snuggly answer. Cause they're just mm. lovely. And like you said, the magic's there. Um, yeah, yeah but it feels so unoriginal. <laughs> I'm like, no, squishers. I know, I let's say squishers. Too. Let's bring the squishers back. What about crackens? Bring the squishers. Kraken? You know what? I thought about saying krakens, but I actually think they'd be just as, I don't actually, I wouldn't want dragons. And to me, krakens would be just as like, monstrous yeah. like i'd never ever want to say you can't anymore. cuddle a kraken let's be honest no there's that you, you can't keep one as a pet really and they're pretty dangerous so yeah probably yeah. not a kraken yeah i'd be curious to be like squishers or something where you could see what yeah can i extend the question very slightly to you mm-hmm. i want to extend the question very slightly to you and ask you if you were a warg what would you what animal would you walk into hmm that's a good question. I feel like an owl. An owl. That's a good one. Why an owl? I don't know. I fly? I have this. Yeah, I have this really big thing with flying. I re- mm. I always wanted to. I I have this like little. This is so silly. I can't even say this on a podcast. But I have this little theory, not theory, just little like hope. I guess that because I kind of kind of believe in reincarnation. So my mm-hmm. theory or thought or hope for us is that. When, when we die, we get to be a bird before we get to come back as anything else, just to sort of Ooh. fly and release all the crap that happened to us as humans and just fly and be a bird for a while. That's really beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It comes oh, from like my sister's loss. She lost her legs first. So. Oh, my God. So I hope she turned into a bird and got to fly. I think that's really lovely, and I'm going to follow in the Church of Bethism and decide that <laughs> do after it, we yeah. die, we turn into a bird for a little while. Yes, please. While. I like that. <laughs> Well, should we go into the next chapter? Okay, let's. Yeah. The governance under King Aegon. Governance under King Aegon. Um, it's not the same, in my opinion, it doesn't feel quite as, um, the interest isn't the same. It's more just how, how he governed. So I'll read through sort of my bullet points. Um, and then I don't know if I'll do the same that you did with the going through the whole chapter. I don't feel like it's quite as important, I guess. Um, governance. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him Egg and the Dragon. <laughs> I like how it rhymes. Um, okay, so the main objective for Aegon, this is these are my bullet points in case that wasn't clear. Um, the reconciliation of the seven, seven kingdoms. He just really wanted everyone to be friends, man. Like just everyone. Why can't we all get along? What is that thing from Mean Girls? And I just think we should all get along. I want to bake a cake out of rainbows and smiles. Exactly. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted. She doesn't even go here. <laughs> also true. Um, yeah, he he did include men from all over the Seven Kingdom in his councils, uh, and even in brackets, even a few women. Mm. How forward thinking of him, because um, you know their council. Who needs that? Yeah. Um, some tits, tits on the council. Yes. Uh, it seems like he started the fostering of secondborn children yeah. with other houses. That doesn't seem to have existed before him. No. Uh, and as Were well, they hostages or fostering? It probably started think- off as hostages. I think. I think maybe that's where he got the idea mm. uh, for it. Was in how successful maybe hostaging could be for mm. for learning things about different areas. But yep, um, they tend they go into fostering. Uh, inter-kingdom marriages. Um, mm-hmm. Rhaenys and Visenya were, were the queens of matchmaking, so they arranged yeah. some. The book says that they took special delight in it, and I really yes. doubt that. 
I, dealt I just can't imagine the two of them sitting going, oh my goodness, let's arrange some lovely marriages together. I know, what don't you picture, do? you picture a maester just being like, oh, they're women. They'll like this, it's mushy. Yeah. You know? Women mm. like doing that, don't they? they? Take special so. delight in it. Yes. <laughs> no, they probably were yeah. like, that one and that one. They, they probably, um, I imagine that they just sat down and were, it's a very Like a seating political, chart. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it's really political for them, like, to do this. It's not just two women sitting around like, taking off their bras and talking about periods and weddings. It's yeah. like, this is like a majorly important political thing in order to create peace in this land to join yes. them together. Alliances. Yeah, it was actually, yeah. it was a big thing that, that for them to do. Um, yeah, mm. and one of the noteworthy ones was they, they wed a Stark to an Aaron. I thought that was interesting because I don't know yes. how much more that yeah. out. I'm always yeah, interested to where the Starks marry when they marry outside of the North because there's that, mm. never mind, that's probably spoilery. We'll talk about it later. Um, yeah okay um they the sisters influenced policy so while uh, Aegon really liked to do um tours of the seven kingdoms royal progresses it was better to forestall rebellions than to put them down so Mm -hmm. he did a lot Mm of uh progresses and he would have one of them one of his sister's wives with Mm -hmm. him and the other one would remain either in king's landing or dragonstone to govern in his stead Uh, so that's that's great. I mean, it's interesting to me that his hand didn't sit the throne. Mm. It was his sister instead. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good because, well, not good. I, I find it really fascinating because the, that there is a precedent, and we probably shouldn't go into it too much right now, but there mm-hmm. is a precedent set that women sitting on the Iron Throne and governing as wives and queens is a completely normal and fine thing to do. Yes. And yet perhaps later on... As people who might have seen House of the Dragon know mm-hmm. that it's not actually it's not. anymore. S- suddenly not fine. And I wonder how much of that is a Valyrian thing. And as t- Targaryens maybe got a bit more Westerosi, which... Maybe, but the but even Aegon was pretty far removed from the Valyrians. That's true. By then, because they had been mm. in Westeros for a long time. So, yeah, I don't know if he just had a different respect for it and acknowledged maybe what what his sisters were capable of. Mm. I just wonder where the misogyny came from because the mm-hmm. only other person... Well, who... I feel like external influence. This is the yeah. first time... Well, this is what Aegon... I mean by Westerosi. Was it people... Yeah. Was it Andals? Was it basically the Andals, the shitty Andals yeah. who were very against women and as they Andals hurt, as they became more influenced by the Andals? Because the only other, only other queen who had so much influence was Alisan, who comes Alisan. later and we'll talk about her in later chapters. Mm-hmm. But, but at that point, it's like not very many people so i think it's a shame because obviously i'm a feminist and i mm-hmm. think yes. that women are equal but um, yes i think that we are yeah just as capable as men just as capable <laughs> yeah. as men at least um, <laughs> but i like his thing what you mentioned about the it's better to forestall rebellions than to put them down i think it's a really good strategy of his Yes, yeah. It shows it. It showed his power, his strength. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. when you arrive anywhere on the back of a dragon like Valerian, people yeah. are going to be like, "Yeah, <laughs> nope, he's our king. That's our guy. We are That's just fine over here. Would not even yeah. think about, um, mm-hmm. yeah, doing anything bad." But it also renews their faith in the king. It shows that he cares. Mm-hmm. He's present, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's not. Which I find again, when you have it in the future, I feel like this maybe gets lost further down the Targaryen oh, yeah. line. 
Yeah, like he I agree. set that precedent, and it, it's actually a brilliant precedent. Keep your people seeing you. Um, and it mentions in the book how he it wasn't just for the lords; the small folk would see him too. He would set up courts, not just in castles, but what does it mention? Something like like fields. Like you'll just sit in the field. Oh yeah, he would people. sit in the field and talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And and his whichever wife he brought on progress would as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was there's there's one thing that comes before this that I just mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll mention it later, but I find it really interesting that he prefers Dragonstone more than and King's Landing. King's Landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to talk about that afterwards. Um, yeah. But yeah, he does. We can talk about and, it later. Yeah, either or. It's okay. It's, you brought it up now. We can talk about it now. But I feel like no, no, let's it talk about it later. But yeah, sense because it's his home. Yeah, you know. But I, what I find interesting is the smell. He liked the smell. Yeah. Well, everyone has that, right? The smell of smoke. Mm. But there's something about salt and smoke that I find interesting. We'll talk mm. about that later. We'll on. talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he went around on lots of these things, and I think he had a really good. It was a really, really good uh, way to do it. He also he took loads of maesters. Um, yes, he as took well. six. Six maesters travel with him to advise mm-hmm. on local policy, which is which is a a good idea, I think. Um, in in some ways, of course, if you've mm-hmm. listened to Steph's um, bonus Patreon episode about maesters mm-hmm. and Old Town, maybe not. But they did know <laughs> it was it was showing that he he didn't assume to know everything. Mm-hmm. He would take counsel of other people who were schooled and educated in things that he was not yet educated in. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you not think, um, though, that um, because he, we'll find out in this chapter, he does square a lot of things around the kingdom, like to do with taxation mm-hmm. and stuff. And he says, everyone's going to pay the same taxes, blah, blah, blah. But he yep. doesn't do very much about local laws. No, I was about to get to that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder why, if he's trying to create a an undivided continent, why would you not say these are the laws of the land rather than... You can do this th- in the Westerlands, but not in the Reach. Or do you see what I mean? Why did he not? Yeah. I, think I wonder because, what that strategy was. So I think it's sort of similar in world history. If you conquered a land, you wanted to become the sovereign and and own it. But when you start to change too much, you start to incite rebellion. People mm-hmm. don't like a lot of change, and he probably mm-hmm. would have seen a lot of it in in implementing taxes Mm. um in general right because that's a big change and and i think a lot of the port cities probably had a problem with him implementing taxes Mm. and the way he did it and taking the control out of their hands so he's already making some not enemies but he's already upsetting some people Mm. um so when Mm. you go in and you change too much of the local laws it just it starts to seem like you don't care about the local people anymore that's true. But then you could say which local people, because he didn't change much for the lords, so they could inherit the way that they wanted to mm-hmm. um, and do that. But the say, for example, he didn't change the law, the privilege of the first knight, mm-hmm. which I think benefits the lords, but not the small folk. So for me, the small folk might be like, I don't like this. So if anyone who doesn't know, do you want to explain what the first knight is, Beth? Yeah, the right to the first knight is, uh, is essentially that any woman about to be married once she's married the mm. lord of the kingdom can uh t- can take her maidenhead before her husband mm. gets to yeah 
yeah yeah which is basically rape <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, uh, it's there's nothing in the story, even if <laughs> the woman's raped anyway, whether she's raped by her husband, because they mm. probably didn't marry for love. Um, no. She's she's either raped by the Lord or she's raped by her husband. But the problem is that, and this is this is a little bit of a spoiler, I suppose. It's, it's a better addressed later in in the reign of Jaharis and Alisana. It but, is, yeah. But essentially, children could be born from this. Uh, husbands mm-hmm. could refuse to sleep with their wife after mm-hmm. uh, just to see if if they would have a baby or not by this by the Lord or whatever and mm-hmm. and they could so then there's children running around that the Lords won't acknowledge necessarily and husbands resenting their wives and you mm-hmm. know women getting the shit end of the stick yeah and, I, I, and that's why I'm surprised like yeah he's so he's keeping laws that benefited the highborn mm-hmm. but i i just that's feudal uh, systems in general and aegon uh, was aegon was always in a feudal system i don't think that he really would have considered a lot about the right of the small mm-hmm. folk and again i feel like it's not until alisan where the mm-hmm. rights of the small folk really become relevant anyway no. and actually it makes me wonder then because obviously what comes up later i hope it's not too spoilery but there are many dragonborn bastards on dragonstone that mm-hmm. they call dragon seeds yeah so i'm pretty sure aegon and his forebears do you think they practiced the right the the right to the first night as well i mean they must have done do you think aegon did it too i don't know it's hard to say aegon it's hard we don't know a lot about him he didn't no. seem to want to stray from his sisters he didn't even take the third wife like i don't know if he did or not no. Um, but I it think... seems very clear that his family will have done his his uh, ancestors. Well, his 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 dad had a bastard son, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. Oris Baratheon is most likely Aegon's bastard brother, according to what mm. we covered last last time. So yeah, mm. yeah, I think it's possible. Whether Aegon did or not, maybe he felt he had his hands full too. But but if he didn't, because like you say, he was very faithful to Rhaenys and Visenya. And if he didn't, mm-hmm. surely that's partly because he knew that it's like not a nice thing to do to to a woman. Mm. Or he just took no interest in it in general. Mm. He wanted legitimate heirs. I don't know. Such a I disgusting don't know. costume. I mean, obviously it I'm is. looking at it from a modern perspective, but it is. Oh, it's disgusting even in a not modern perspective. It's gross. Yeah. And it's not, it's also not uh, unhistorical. I mean, the word fuck no, comes from fornication under the consent of the king. So he had the same right uh in different cultures to to take that as well which is grody i didn't know that about fuck i'm now looking up fuck the meaning of fuck uh (laughs) could could be myth but but i i feel like i've yeah fornication under the consent of the king is it really uh i think it's from a word germanic origin it says fucker (laughs) and dutch fuck ellen which (laughs) Possibly from the Indo-European root meaning strike or uh, Latin fist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just funny. Shall we? Shall we? Let's fist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean. Whoa, Steph! I don't know you that well yet, so can we like invite dinner first? Like the literal, like if it comes from yours or my, like yours is hilarious. Like I like, I prefer yours, whereas my (laughs) the 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 root word origin seems to 
basically be akin to the word to to hit or fist. Mm-hmm. So, so that's nice about where the word comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, feels a little bit like forward to immediately ask if you can fist someone. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a touch. <laughs> yeah, let's go somewhere and fist. Uh, wait, what? Um, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, yeah. it's Grody. I don't know how you spell Grody. I don't. I don't actually either. But it's a, it's a word. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, and like we said, he he implemented taxes, regularized taxes, mm-hmm. and uh, exempted yep. the faith from taxes. Now we've covered the fact that Aegon was not exactly a man of faith. He was not a godly man. He was not a godly man. So why did he exempt the faith? Because he knew that they were the second power in Westeros and he absolutely had to keep them appeased. And he was probably right to, because I'm not going to go into it now because it comes up later in chapters, but they, the, the, the two pillars of the, of the world here was the, the royalty and the faith. Yes. And that's very, not very common in real world history as well. But in many cultures, the faith, often didn't pay taxes or the, depending on who the ruler was, they would bounce mm. between whether or not they pay taxes or not in Asia and England and all over the place. So that's George. He does like his history. He does. Yeah. Um, they, he also though, this is sort of almost military esque for, for modern world, but the faith had their own court system, they which did, I guess yeah. that still exists too in the Catholic faith. If, if anyone did anything untoward, they would be tried by mm. their own people. And it's weird because the, the courts were only to be able to try any scepter, septon, sworn brother or holy sister accused of malfeasance. Mm-hmm. Big thumbs Whereas, down to that because you know they're not going to be as harsh on... Anyway. No. And also, because a lot of the religious courts often used to be for, like, a moral trial on people for doing morally wrong things. Yes. Rather than legal, like, you broke the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it doesn't seem to mention print. anything like that. It doesn't say like a woman could be tried for adultery, or a man could be tried for. Well, that comes up a little bit later as we talk about. It um... it, it does, but it's just I find it interesting that he doesn't spe- he specifically doesn't seem to mention the church didn't have any power like justice power. It was the king's peace. He kept justice, and that's what he says. Yeah, doesn't he? The first law of the land will be the king's peace. But if a septon slept with a septa, that would be dealt with yeah. within their own things. Yeah. If a septon. Not to mm. pull from the real world too much, but if a septon maybe, you know, molested a child, that would be dealt with within their own church. Uh, similar terrible. to our own world. It shouldn't be. <laughs> it shouldn't, yeah. be. shouldn't be that way. Uh, nope. It should be nope. whoever represents the victim should be mm-hmm. representing the victim. Yeah. In crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. So, yeah, that's a re- very real world uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought it was funny, though, that Aegon... Well, he supported the faith. He would often talk to the High Septon and stuff. He did not build the initial Sept. The The no. first Sept in King's Landing was in a galley, so on yep. a ship. He's and like, then yeah, the... In a boat. Yeah, whatever. This will do, right? You guys are happy with that? And then the, the High Septon was like, oh, no, maybe we'll build something a little grander. And he funded it. So the faith mm-hmm. funded it. Mm-hmm. Um, which shows that Aegon was willing to work with them, but not, yeah. not fund no, them. No, not to fund which them. Which I liked. Mm-hmm. I find the King's Landing, the growing of it is really kind of fun to think about. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah, kind of just like pops up, like boop, Mm -hmm. boop, boop, another house, boop, boop. 
Yeah. You know, people people seem to move where power was, right? It was yeah, it wasn't yeah. didn't exist before Aegon landed there, hence King's mm-hmm. Landing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is it's interesting. Thing. And it said it grew it was one of the fastest growing cities in Westeros and, yeah, and quickly. It grew really quickly. Outgrew. Grew really quickly. Yeah. Outgrew the other. And one. even his castle, the Aegon Fort, had to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And bigger and bigger and bigger, yeah. And they had to add things and more stuff. And then they even named the hills after it. So there was Egon's Hill, Visenya's Hill, Rainey's Hill. And that's still the same mm-hmm. hundreds yeah. of years later. King's Landing is like, it makes me think of some of the poorer parts of London, like in the East End. Because like, it's like King's Landing is meant to be like, st- like stinky. <laughs> like everyone's like, it smells like shit mm-hmm. in King's Landing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of makes me think of areas like Whitechapel, uh, I mean, because London's a really interesting place, a little bit like King's Landing, because it says in here, like, the rich people built huge manses on the nice parts. Yeah. And let the, like, the bits in between, the disgusting ugh, bits, could go to the poor people. And that's very, London is a really similar city like that, that it's, people say, oh, what's a nice area of London? And you're like, well, everywhere's really mixed, so you can be on a Pocket. really fancy street, but mm-hmm. around the corner from some of the most poor areas like I, I worked in Chelsea for years at a school and everyone for them is Chelsea is very synonymous with basically being one of the richest boroughs in the world it's hugely rich with huge like it's where all the celebrities have houses okay. but it's also one of the poorest like of literally course. one of the poorest and the school I worked at was on the port on one of the worst estates it's actually where the band the Sex Pistols oh, grew yeah, up yeah. Yep. and um it was rough AF and it sort of makes me think a little bit of that and it makes me think of maybe of Whitechapel, part of London, uh, where mm-hmm. Jack the Ripper Jack was the notoriously Ripper was, from, yeah. with yeah. these sort of slums. But then just right around the corner, you've got these huge, like, mansions, mansions. you know, just a yeah. little bit away, mansions, and but these sort of slummy places where people are eating pies with God knows what in. Um, and you know meat in inverted commas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and things just kind of growing up around people because when London was expanding this is completely an aside but I, it just makes me think of that like when London was an expanding city it kind of grew into the east end and it grew out a little bit like this kind of popping up in these shacks and these houses and things and just little things popping up and businesses here and factories there and it sort of reminds me a little bit like there's a nice symmetry to it yeah, but then sometimes I wonder: is has he based King's Landing on that, or or is it another? I, I don't know. It makes me wonder what. what I think George probably a lot mind. of a lot of cities have mm-hmm. similar sort of origin stories that way. Mm. So I think they come from different. Definitely, there's a lot of influence. I mean, we know mm. that um, a song of ice and fire is uh, initially based on the Wars of the Roses. You know, mm-hmm. he takes mm-hmm. definitely takes a lot of influence from from English history. But George himself is from. Jersey mm-hmm. initially yeah so yeah. yeah he's got influence all over the place he's yeah yeah and uh, um, I actually sometimes think of Washington DC because it's like yeah. a swampy town <laughs> like a swamp yes. town yeah and you've got like the White House which is like the Red Keep yeah uh, yeah but I don't know much about enough about Washington DC to be able to really support no, that but just makes I. me think of it yeah yeah, it's just cool. It's cool to think about it. Where it also, from. I think I have it in my notes here. Um, initially, King's Landing had no walls. Um, no. Old Town, as Steph mentioned in her chapter, had walls. I think even White Harbor had walls. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, city he, walls are important. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, you see it. Never mind. I was about to do a comparison to the a song based on fire. Um, yeah, there's lots of them. I mean, we don't think of it now. There's not cities don't have walls now. Oh, they do. So you don't really think in, of in it. the UK. There's loads of cities with walls. If you ever really? come to York, yeah, there are walls that you can walk all the way around, and That's there are something. gates. So they've got all the lots of the roads are named after the gates. And you can go through the gates of the walls. Like London still has some walls that are up. I mean, they're not used in the same way. It's not to keep mm-hmm. out attackers. Yeah, yeah. There's no cities with walls here. Not that, I mean, I could be wrong. Some Canadian will be mm. like, oh, Quebec City has walls. I've never been to Quebec City. So maybe they do. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. But yeah, not here. Not, modern cities aren't built up with walls for the most part. Um, so it's interesting. So the reason that walls were created and, and they, they become a really prominent part of each story the gates and yeah, you know getting yeah. into king's landing uh mm-hmm. and the reason that that was created was in case he was away on one of his many progresses and and at this point uh he only had one queen left he only had visenya who would come with him on many of his progresses king's landing would be left undefended the dragons would be with them so he built up walls to keep out anyone who might come in and attack mm-hmm. uh with I seven think there, gates. wasn't there like a wasn't there a savage attack somewhere yeah there was some attacks from from pirates off the step zones that would yeah and he was like uh, oh shit actually he was like out. yeah we're just as just as vulnerable we should build walls mm. oh it was the summer isles wasn't it it was summer like, islanders people were attacked here. and taken off for slaves yeah. and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah he yeah, realized so he was vulnerable he, without walls yeah and it's a port city as well mm, it is yeah yeah so it would make mm. sense, especially if they weren't there to defend it. So seven seven gates, probably in this Maester's rendition to honor the seven gods. There's a lot of seven themes, seven king's guardmen come into this as well. Um, but a, a little little tidbit is the city of thieves is another um, city that had seven gates, notably seven. I gates. had no idea about that. That's really mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I wondered. I actually, that's where I wondered if King's Landing came from thieves. It was you know a river city. Mm. Could be, could be. George does. He likes that stuff too. Oh yeah, I, I imagine that, that it's, he's probably influenced there's, by loads of things. There's tons of um, Greek myth things in in the stories oh, yeah. too. So love a bit tons of mytholo- mythology tons. in it. Uh, yeah, the next next uh, bullet point I have: succession of hands. He goes through quite a few hands of the king. Starts with Ori's Baratheon, who didn't want to be joked as the king's stump, so he resigned. <laughs> I love that. Because he had no hand. He the had hand no hand. Kings will not be called yes. the king's stump. Yes, mm. it's funny, but it's interesting to me that the hand, the hand of the king, doesn't serve until death. I thought that was no, notable. No. Um, mm. One of them leaves the not the next one, but the one after that leaves because or maybe it is that one. I can't remember his name, Wasn't but he, he leaves. Tully, Tully, or might yeah, have been the Tully, Tully who leaves because his wife died in childbed and he felt his children needed him. Mm. That's maybe the most paternal thing I've ever read in this book. Yeah, um, exactly. Right? What? You're not just going to leave your children to the servants to take care of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yep. Um, hands of the king can resign post. Being offered the handship by the king, you can't really say no, but you can quit. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> it interesting, odd, right? Like, it's sort of an insult yeah. to the king if you go, I don't want to do that. You're like, oh, I can't really say no because that's a personal insult. Yeah. But qu- surely quitting is the same... I've got to try not to insult the king. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it does make yeah. you wonder if it's like, oh, I have to come up with a good reason <laughs> to, to resign. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it's one of those positions that I would have thought would have been either until you're fired or until you die. Yes. Yeah. 
Because it should be, typically things are at the king's pleasure, not mm-hmm. at Very the hands, so. not at your own choice, right? No. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Who came yeah. after Tully? There was another one, wasn't there? There was. I feel like was. someone who like only did it until he died or something. Let me see. Uh, oh, Aaron Seltigar. There you go. But here he died quite quickly, and then it was Sir Osmond Strong, a strong person. Mm. Yep, and then we have, and then we have uh, in the same sort of vein, we have the Archmaester position mm-hmm. being established, who do serve until death. They do, and I have noted. I think that this is just to avoid offending the Citadel by having them be fired. It reminds me that we're we're looking at something with. Uh, I'm not. In, I'm not. Sometimes been fired. I'm pretty sure in the future people do I get fired. I don't think so. Do they? There is one person who definitely gets put in a cell. Spoiler alert. In a cell? His beard, has his beard chopped yeah, off. Yeah, but he doesn't get fired. He does, doesn't they? Don't they send for another Grand Maester? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm going to have to read the whole books all the way the from whole the everything all over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and, and many of them serve under multiple kings. Mm. Um which oh, is interesting. Also, there's a lot of them who are sent that are really old and they die really And they old. just die anyway. So it reminds me of modern day popes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and Ooh, right now we have topical. an example. Yep. Yes, I was going to say. It's not, not an area of interest with me at all whatsoever. No. I've learned more about the pope situation in the last week than I have since than since mm-hmm. I read the Da Vinci Code. I learned a lot about them then, too. Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's fiction, though, yeah. You do know that, right? Yeah, but he does pull from real world stuff. So I, I you know, I'm like, I'm a student of history. I, I'm just mm-hmm. one of those people who, who's like, is this legit? And then I look it all up and then I read all about it anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm curious if, if um, listeners in the faith um, agree with sort of the placement of Archmaesters. Do you feel like they do in, in a way represent that? Obviously they represent more, but um, just the knowledge of, I mean, popes were very educated people. But obviously the Archmaester's not the Pope. The High Septum would be like the Pope. Yeah. But, yeah, but yeah. this uh, still reminded me of it. More than there's no collective of doctors in, in that has a similar standing to mm-hmm. the way Westeros mm-hmm. puts an Archmaester. So I still feel like no. it's pulled from papal uh, history. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm curious no, to see what really people think about that. Tell us. Write in. Tell us what you think. Yes. Please give us some feedback. Mm. And also, mm. I think at that point, if they, if the Maester conspiracy stuff is, which is that the Maesters are against the Targaryens, if that's correct, then they've had. So this is five Ace, five AC that he sends for uh, for a grand for a grand Maester, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think if this true was at this point they were like, right, well, we we now finally have some influence? <laughs> was this when they got together? And we're like, yeah. great, we can now really get in there and truly influence what they do. I feel um, maybe, but I do. I don't. I don't know a lot about. I don't know how much I dig into that conspiracy. But if if there is one, I feel like maybe it was a little later. Yeah. When they, I don't know. I guess the conquest would have been a pretty good indication of how damaging dragons can be. Mm. But yeah, we'll never know. We'll, we'll never, never know. know. Yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite parts of this chapter is Rainey's, um mm-hmm. presides over a law, a council or whatever, not even a council, just a, a claims hearing. And she creates some rules of her own 
this is a pretty a sort of badass moment. I have a few problems with it, but but it's pretty good. Rainies, there's a man who's brought before her, accused of murdering his wife, um, who he accuses of being unfaithful to him. So her brothers bring in this man, their brother-in-law, for murdering their sister. He beat her to death. He beat her with a stick no wider than his thumb, creating the rule of thumb. Uh, but he, he refused to say how many times he beat her. And the brothers step in and say that it was a hundred times. And so she meets with a council about what can be done uh, about it. And they decide that, um, well, she should have been beaten for being unfaithful to her husband because women should, should honor and obey her husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm fine um she should not be beaten any more than six times because the seventh would be for the stranger and any after that would be uh breaking the law an offense to the gods yeah so they get to her brothers get to take him and and beat him 94 times four times yeah yeah for take all the illegal swings back against they did against that he did against their sister so yeah i don't i love the like women should should obey honor and obey honor but not obey mm. their husbands. It's pretty objectionable. I mean, mm-hmm. all around. It, it reminds me a little bit of the um, about guest right and the the rat cook story. It's not that spoilery because it's just a story that's in the in the books, so it's not really spoiling anything. But um, there is a legend within A Song of Ice and Fire that I think someone was serving an Andal king some food in his castle in the night fort. It was, and he was a, the cook cooked him something and it turned out that he'd cooked his, the Andal King's children in revenge yeah. for something else that the Andal King had done to him. So this was vengeance. <laughs> and so he'd kicked his children, cooked his children and basically fed the children of the king to him, to the king. I think it was just his son. It was, it was just his son. son. Okay. I think so he's so. fed his son to him and the gods were offended, but not. Not by the fact that he'd fed his son to Fed the man his own son, yeah. No, that was fine because a man has a right to vengeance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's that's okay. That's fine. But it was the fact that he'd broken guest right by By murdering the son. son. By murdering the son. Yeah. And that was what was worse. So vengeance and feeding a person their own child, fine. Mm -hmm. But but killing the, the killing someone under your own roof, not fine. Not fine. Not fine. Uh, and it sort of reminds me a little bit of those things where you're like, really? Like, this, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. not fine. Mm-hmm. Like, the comparison of, like, well, a man has a right to beat his wife if she's been unfaithful. Mm-hmm. But no more than six times. But no with a stick thinner than your with thumb. A stick is, yeah. You're like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine, I guess. But, I they can, it, but, yeah. but the Lord time. can still take the first right, the night, the, yeah. you know, yeah, all these that's things. Okay. Like, mm, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Don't don't be a woman born in a feudal system. No, no, that's it's not fine. Rubbish. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't do that. Don't do not recommend. <laughs> no, do not. Zero stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, where am I now? The next uh, really good part is now Visenya uh, helps to create the King's Guard. Woohoo! Woohoo! Uh, so here's I'll I'll read it. It's only like a 
about a page. Uh, Byzenia twice wielded Dark Sister in Aegon's defense when he was set upon by Dornish cutthroats. Suspicious and ferocious by turns, she trusted no one but her brother. During the Dornish Wars, she took to wearing a shirt of male night and day, and even under her court clothes, and urged the king to do the same. But when Aegon refused, Visenya grew furious. Even with Blackfire in your hand, you are only one man, she told him. And I cannot always be with you. So she, she was like, she thought of herself as the king's protector which I just love. When the king pointed out that he had guardsmen around him, Vizenia drew Dark Sister and slashed him across the cheek so quickly the guards had no time to react. Your guards are slow and lazy, she said. I could have killed you as easily as I cut you. You require better protection. King Aegon, bleeding, had no choice but to agree. Many kings had champions to defend them. Aegon was the lord of the seven kingdoms, therefore he should have seven champions, Visenya decided. Thus the Kingsguard came into being, a brotherhood of seven knights, the finest in the realm, cloaked and armored all in purest white, because stains don't come out of that, so good idea. <laughs> yeah, we could be um, the Kingsguard. I could not be in the Kingsguard. <laughs> With no purpose but to defend the king, uh, giving up their own lives for his if need be. Visenya molded their vows on those of the Night's Watch like the black cloaked crows of the wall. The white swords served for life, surrendering all their lands, titles, and worldly goods to a life to live a life of chastity and obedience, with no reward but honor. So many knights came forward to offer themselves as candidates for the King's Guard that King Aegon considered holding a great tourney to determine which of them would be the most worthy? Vizenia would not hear of it, however. To be no. a Kingsguard knight required more than just a skillet arm, she pointed out, mm. obviously. like Because mm. jousting is going to protect the king, right? Yes, coming at people with a large stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, she would not risk placing men of uncertain loyalty about the king, regardless of how well they performed in a melee. She would choose the knights herself. The champions she selected were young and old, tall and short, dark and fair. They came from every corner of the realm. Some were younger sons, others heirs of the ancient houses who gave up their inheritance to serve the king. One was a hedge knight, another bastard born. All of them were quick, strong, observant, skilled with a sword and shield and devoted to the king. My only note that I've made in this in my book is of Visenya Rocks. Visenya Rocks. She does. I love that the vows are... Uh, modeled against the knight's watch vows i find that again so we're talking about um positions that can be turned away from or walked away from mm -hmm. and positions that can't be and and i noted this it's fascinating to me that they wouldn't that that these that they serve until death because you would think mm -hmm. that it would be the fittest in the realm always no if you're protecting the king right no, they, uh, yeah exactly you don't get old you don't yeah really but they but they do i mean but they do, yeah. But they do, yeah. I really like, I, oh, I can't say I really like, I always say I really like, blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> you could say it. What is, what is interesting to me is that they're modelled on the Night's Watch and we don't ever, in any of the books, ever find out what the Kingsguard vows are. We know the mm -hmm. Night's Watch vows comes up, um, yeah. but we don't ever find out what the Kingsguard vows are. But in the show House of the Dragon... We are given a glimpse of what that is when Eric Cargyle joins Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra. on Dragonstone and mm -hmm. makes his vows to her. Yeah. And I found that, I, I was like, I had kind of goosebumps at that point because I was like, oh, yeah, finally good hearing scene. maybe what the Kingsguard vow would be. Yeah. And I do wonder if it's book canon or show canon, whether they just made it up or George says, no, these are the vows of a Kingsguard. 
some of them because the Night's Watch vows are quite long, so I would anticipate the King yeah. ones are long. So maybe it was just like a, a cliff. Well, the Night's, Ga- Night's Watch has ones that wouldn't be relevant to the King's Guard because they don't. They're not mm-hmm. the, the yeah. shield against the darkness and no, um, but, the sword yeah. that guards the realms of men. But I, I'm just saying, I got really excited when we yeah. saw Eric Cargill do his. <laughs> Uh, do his vows like oh my god this is what they might be saying I, i'm very mm-hmm. sad i just really always wanted to know what the king's guard vows actually were maybe we'll get them maybe there's a poignant time that george is going to drop them mm. i know? think they're important mm-hmm. they're very important for other characters who talk about the king's guard vows and vows in general they make you swear and swear and swear and swear vows here i mean the vows are tough you're not allowed to what does it say surrendering all lands all titles worldly goods you have to be chaste, obedient. Your only reward will be honor. I mean, that is, that's a tough life. Serious. Yeah. It's not, you're not asking for an easy life there. Do they even get like a little stipend? Do they get pocket money to go out? <laughs> you'll get no reward. I would think so. I would think there's, they get paid. I mean, but they're, they're keep their uh, food and food and board are covered. Mm. But and again, like when. What if they want to go to the shops and buy themselves a nice new pair of shoes? Do they have the money for that? Do they have like a little bit right. of, go and buy yourself something pretty for their days off, you know? Do they get a day off? Well, they they alternate. They rotate. Mm, that's true. Right? So they rotate yeah. positions and stuff like that. So I would think that they probably would get days off. Yeah, it's interesting though. And again, it's not a punishment. Like the Night's Watch is a punishment. They don't get days off and stuff like that. Not always, but but now. Spoilerish, maybe. Mm. Well, the Night's Watch the Night's isn't Watch. totally a punishment. People no, it's not. Military. It can be elective, yeah. But the King's Guard is different. It's like you said, it's an honor to be there. Mm. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's surprising to me that that's that's something that they they didn't they they have this big battle to pick the strongest knights in the realm, and then there's mm. never a point where you can say, "I'm retiring you and replacing you with someone fitter, stronger, faster." No, you know, a better warrior. So that's interesting to me. I suppose they want loyalty and maybe that's why they don't really pay them very much because I think if it becomes about money for someone Mm -hmm. then they can be bought. No, there's probably an allowance but yeah, they probably don't get a ton Mm. of money. No. Yeah, you're right. And again, the reward is protecting your king. How do you think Visenya judged people to be loyal? Because that was her most important thing. It wasn't that they they were just had to be strong and fast and really good at fighting they had to be devoted to the king. How did she judge that? That what That's what fascinates me the most. Yeah, yeah. And she was obviously a very intuitive person. She mm-hmm. was a, a, obviously fashioned herself a good judge of character. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it was just, you know, she had a series of questions like, yeah, we don't really know what they had to do mm-hmm. to prove themselves worthy. Do you think her. she grabbed Dark Sister held them by the neck up against a wall, dark sister to the throat and said, if you so much as think about betraying my brother, I will shove this up your butt. And that was the main test. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, you probably you nailed reckon? it. I yeah. I think I nailed that one. I think yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you yep. think? It's like testing a witch if they... If they dunk, yeah. no, you dunk yeah. them. If they if they sink, they're innocent. But if they float, they're a witch. If they float, they're a witch. So I would have been a witch. I if float. they pissed in their britches, <laughs> if they controlled their bladder while she threatened them, they were good and true. But if they pissed their britches, they couldn't be trusted. That's it. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think we figured this out. Yeah, basically, it's canon now. <laughs> 
Yes, totally. Yeah, yeah. I think George, yeah. George would agree. George would agree. Yeah, yeah. Visenya seemed like a really powerful but terrifying person. Mm-hmm. She'd be like one of those people that I would be mm-hmm. insanely. I mean, I'm intimidated by like most people, but because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a little gerbil or something, and everyone scares me. But Visenya um, <laughs> <Visenia> especially. <laughs> There's a few people that I've been like, if I ever meet them, like people from the fandom, I'm like, I'll probably just run and hide in a corner. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but do you know what I find? I love you all. I'm just terrified of you. But I find funny. She's she has um, what does she call it? Uh, a hunchback. She's got her own fool, so she is terrifying. But she has a little hunchback fool called Lord Monkey Face. Yes, that's yeah, that. I is. think speaking of his, this, I'm I'm probably boring people to death with my little historical references. But I think that that is a, a pull from um, Mary, the first Queen of England. Really? She had a monkey. She had a monkey. Did she and she's and she's it. known in history now nowadays as Bloody Mary. She has this terrible yes. reputation mm-hmm. uh, because she she killed Protestants. She did because she was Catholic. Mm-hmm. There was probably just as many um, Catholics killed by oh, Protestants yeah. Yeah. or more. Ta- but but she's she's the bad one. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's she had a, she had a monkey fool. She had she had a few. Well, she had a few. She had a, she had a fool that she absolutely adored and loved mm-hmm. uh who was a woman who was like simple she had to constantly keep her head shaved because that was the thing for fools but she had irritations and stuff on her skin and mary would buy her it's in mary's receipts that she wow. would buy her ointments and creams and stuff and she she bought her a proper bed which back in that time was a very big deal so this That's fool had so a bed amazing. a proper bed you know, so she's a pretty good job being a fool ah uh, yeah because unless you're the fill of was it toilets and, and yeah had to fight egg on the conqueror Edward the second had a fool who he loved so much that he gave a really good yearly stipend to and bought a mansion on his grounds. Oh my god, I love that. Um, and the fool, he would command him to come and entertain him every Christmas. This was his Christmas entertainment. And I'm trying to remember, it was like three things he had to do. I think it was like one hop, one jump, one fart. And he would fart into the fireplace <laughs> and it would entertain King Edward so much that he was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is the tip. Like I would like do a hop, a jump and a fart into the fire. And, and the guy was like, that's amazing. I'm buying you a huge house on the grounds. I'm going to pay you loads of money. You're not allowed to leave. And every Christmas, that was the entertainment. Every every Christmas was the guy coming and doing his one hop, one, hop, one jump, one fart. Oh my God. I love it. That's great. And that's Queen Visenya with her fool called lord her monkey fool. face yeah her monkey and then i think when the monkey when it, when it, it was actually a person but when they died she bought a monkey <laughs> to replace them and so this new one is cleverer and she dressed it up in its clothes and stuff like yeah. that yeah there's a lot about her being potentially going and we've talked about this before but that I feel like we'll talk, we'll older. address it more, yeah, in the next in the Sons of the Dragon because I think it's going to be really prevalent. Yeah. But it does come up in this chapter mm-hmm. that it mentions does. that she got into the dark arts, as it were, and perhaps was a kinslayer and a kingslayer, yeah. and that she yeah. cast spells. I don't believe any of that. I know, I do. <laughs> do you? Well, I don't think she's a kinslayer. I don't. I don't think that she is an evil character. I don't think she's an certainly. evil character. I. I. It is fully my foundation for my my our patreon episode though is how she how i think mm. she treated 80s so mm. i do think yeah i do think that she 
Yeah. Maybe. But she certainly would never have killed, done anything to Egon. She no, was so no. loyal to Egon. No. Yeah, she was. So, yeah. Just yeah. not his his seed. <laughs> no. No. Not with his children with Rainies, anyway. Child with Rainies, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. Rainies legacy. If you want to hear about yeah. that, follow us on Patreon. You'll have access yes. to. Beth did a really, really, really good. You Beth did a really, really good um, bonus episode for our Patreon. It's all about. I, don't, I wouldn't call it really there. good. But it was. You. It blew my mind, man. Yeah. It was about Rainies and Vizetian female relationships in mm. the in the series it evolved. Mm. Mm-hmm. So check us out on Patreon if you want some of our fun yeah. bonus content there. Yeah. So yeah, that's my that's my chapter summary pretty much. Um, yeah. And, and 16, so, was it 16 kings that followed 16, him? I was just going to say, 16 Targaryens followed Aegon the Dragon <laughs> to the mm-hmm. Iron Throne before the dynasty was last, at last, at last, toppled, it says. That's a funny phrase to use. At like they've been toppled. waiting for it to be toppled. Maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe your old stone theory is Well, right. it's written by the maesters. They finally mm-hmm. toppled. Mm-hmm. At last, toppled in Robert's Rebellion. Yeah. So yep. it says they, they numbered amongst them wise men and foolish, cruel men and kind, good men and evil. So we will get on to all of those good men, bad men, evil, foolish, wise we people. We will. And so we are, I think, going to move into our spoilery section. But mm-hmm. before we do, um, what are we covering next week for anyone who wants to um, read along next with time. us? We are covering, yeah, next well, the next chapter is the Sons of the Dragon, but it's a huge chapter. So we're dividing it in two. Mm-hmm. So the first chapter is about his first son, Aenys, and then we'll record another one about Maegor later on because it's absolutely massive. It it's big. It's like, on. we'll yeah, never it's... finish it if we do it in one go. No, um, no. I mean, this is, we're nearly three hours on this. Yeah. Yeah. But we're, this is like our longest so far because we're just getting to the spoilers and we're three hours and 15 minutes in now. So, but it'll be a good one. It'll be a good it'll one. It'll be a good one. Tune in mm-hmm. for the next one. But we'll, we'll talk spoilers now, shall we? Shall we? Let's. Yeah. Spoilers go. Spoilers go. You said you have lots. I don't have many. I, uh, I can see where they fall in, but I didn't write, write any down really. I think there's only other couple of things that I think would be good to talk spoiler wise. One of them is we. I brushed upon it that Egon liked the smell of Dragonstone because he liked the salt air and the smell of smoke and brimstone, and that makes me think of the Azora High prophecy. Yeah, hugely. It is there. Is George saying like, please highlight these words that <laughs> there is salt and smoke. Yeah. On Dragonstone. But not for Stannis, obviously. <laughs> like, he's not as well. Of course, Stannis. Can't be. I mean, it would be the biggest shocker, biggest twist, if it turns out Stannis is actually Azor High. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Twist. It's true. He was all along. Nobody, nobody believes Mel, it. <laughs> Mel was right. This oh whole my time. God. Words that will never be said, really. <laughs> Exactly. She gets so but much I, wrong. I, do you think George was trying to go, woo, woo, there's all high. The smell, he literally says, the smell of the salt sea and the smoke. And you're like, that is the words of the Azor high prophecy. I didn't think of it at all. What? I know. <laughs> it stood out to it me like, even, boom. It didn't even, didn't even register on my radar. 
Um, but I love, I love it. No, it's yeah. there. Yeah. It's there. It's interesting. It's possible that there are sort of like, um, I don't just, I'm probably annoying the crap out of people, but <laughs> historical Ragnar Lothbrok and how there was like quite a few of them in history. Um, and Ragnar, so all of Ragnar, them, blah, 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 say that again, Ragnar Lothbrok what? in what? Scandinavian history. So there's, there's quite a few of them. And so all of the myths and legends all link to this character, but it was probably one character with the same name or not one character, but many, but with the same name. So Azora High could kind of be that, like Aegon could be an Azora High character. And then Ooh, there could be okay. another and another and another and another, and they all just sort of tie together, but you can't mm. necessarily define which myth is which, define mm. with which people. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kind of yeah, I think there's some, I think it's the Disputed Lands. She has a theory. Crow, Crowfood's daughter says something like that actually Azora High is three people. And that's the three heads of the dragon, which is interesting because the title of the next one is Three Heads Had the Dragon. The only other time it comes up in the story is Daenerys in the um, House of the Undying. And then she asks about it, like, three heads, why, what does three heads have the dragon? Yes. What does that mean? That's Rhaegar, right? There. The dragon must have three heads. Yeah, the dragon Ilya. must have three heads. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that the that chapter is entitled three heads had the dragon so Mm -hmm. is it a prophecy that the dragon has three heads or was it just some is it a part of that like but but barrett but who is it she's asking is it it's jorah jorah mormon isn't it she's saying have you ever heard of maybe but it happens in the house of the undying chapter where she sees yeah she sees him say the dragon but she then asks him and she says have you heard of this before and he says no i've never heard of it so yeah. it doesn't sound like it's like a phrase that was used a lot by the Targaryens of or the dragon has or not carried on anyway. No, yeah. it's just all these little kind of. But the a little bit Targaryen banner is a three-headed dragon. It so. is a three-headed dragon. So why wouldn't it be used, like oh, the three heads? Is commonly. it like the house words of fire and blood? But also we say three heads had the dragon and stuff like that. It's, it's just it feels like George is peppering places where there's little tiny bits of words but i just can't work out why he would as a as a mate a maester would entitle that chapter three heads had the dragon if it wasn't something that might be relevant something that might be relevant or in there or Mm -hmm. is it just a turn of phrase but it comes up i think that george uses repetitive language for a purpose so i Mm. think well i will have to wait and see but Mm. yeah i don't think he's i don't think he is willy-nilly with his words at all no. especially with things like that because people are like thinking oh well the dragon has three heads and then Crowfood's daughter is thinking that Azor Ahai is actually three people that maybe it's mm-hmm. John, Danny, and someone else Could he, we could even end up with three dragon riders John, Danny, and perhaps Fagon later on don't know someone maybe Tyrion the secret Targaryen <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the little this is totally an aside but I love yeah. the little little thing that Tyrion builds saddles <laughs> Yes. And I think yes, that's going to be super, their design yeah. saddles. I think it's going to be super important later. It was a little tidbit the show never did. Definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. I always used to think, how the hell is she holding on to that dragon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's really? literally like holding onto a scale or something, uh, not flying off. Yeah. So I don't know. There's just these little peppery, pe- peppered, it's peppered with prophecy words mm-hmm. all around the place. And 
I, if I had the time, maybe a good few hours on my own, I would sit staring at a space trying to work out what it all means. <laughs> um, why, why is it called Three Heads Had the Dragon? And why has George specifically mentioned that dragon stone smells of salt and smoke, which is Azora High, or the prince who is promised will be born in salt and smoke and wake dragons from stone and whatever, because Azora High and Prince of Promise, they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. Seems. So, wake dragons from stone. Dragonstone. Right? Yeah. Mel, so, you're such you're such a good riddle master. <laughs> do you think Mel was just early? Maybe maybe Danny is going to arrive at Dragonstone. She's already woken and dragons from stone. She has woken dragons from stone, but maybe she's going to get to Dragonstone and it's going to You know how um in Duncan Egg, Jamin Blackfire the 2nd says I dreamt mm-hmm. that I'd see you, Dunk, and that an, a dragon would awake. Would, would awake in her hatch or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And actually the dragon he was talking about was actually Aegon V would suddenly become more, well, it was just Egg at that time. He would step out and become more, he would become a dragon that day. Like he would become stronger and fierier. So mm-hmm. maybe it's a similar thing. Maybe Danny's going to arrive having already woken dragons from stone. She's going to get to land on Dragonstone and fulfill some kind of salt and stone prophecy, something to do with light, Lightbringer. It's interesting so if you think about Fire and Blood, um, like the show, it was mm. House of the Dragon, I always call it Fire yeah. and Blood, um, and how many things that we pointed this out in our coverage that sort of unlocked uh, mm. with the Targaryens present. And I kind of wonder if Danny will land and be able to unlock some of mm. the secrets of Dragonstone yeah, just just yeah. with her own instincts and and yeah her, her she'll being there she, she'll know it from yeah her dreams. exactly yeah. we don't know that we don't i don't know if there's anything any precedent to say that she's a dreamer necessarily i think john could be. she's had loads of dreams she has dragon dreams all the time that's does she oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she does yeah mm. i think john does too in his own way but they tend to reflect more on his darkness than his targaryenness Mm. probably because he doesn't know any different though no yeah john's got a double hit he's got like the targaryen and the the stark old man he is the song of ice and fire he is literally the song of ice and fire fire. but that would be a little too on the nose as well it would be too on the nose so but you know maybe wins we need wins we do Mm-hmm. Also, one other question I want to ask as a mm-hmm. maybe a spoilery thing, because it comes up a lot in this chapter that Visenya uses Dark Sister. Where is Dark Sister? Is it in it's the cave? The is it yeah. in the cave beyond the wall? And do, who do you think will use it? What will happen to it, do you think? Well, we know Ashea asked George this question if Blood Raven took Dark Sister with him to the wall. Mm-hmm. And he said yes. So I think I think he probably has it with him. In the cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, I My suspicion with it has always been that it's going to find its way to Arya somehow. Yeah, because she is a bit yeah. of a dark sister. She's it? the dark sister. Visenya was mm-hmm. the dark sister. Arya's mm-hmm. the dark sister. Um, yeah, I think it just makes sense. She's also the, the you know woman in the story, apart from Brienne, who's really mm-hmm. being taught to use a sword. It's mm-hmm. a big part of her story. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think. I said when I watched uh, Game of Thrones that I felt like they used that cat spa dagger. Mm-hmm. Aegon's dagger now that we know mm-hmm. as maybe a dark sister replacement and and they still yeah, may be true. we haven't I don't know if we've seen dark sister or not and Damon is supposed to have it but I don't know if they actually say that's dark sister and oh, no, they do, the dragon yeah. Yeah, they did do. they okay a few times okay. yeah um, yeah. yeah so 
I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I think it'll be, I don't know what the fate of it'll be. I think, I think Arya will, this is very spoilery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think Arya will use it uh, to kill Catelyn, to kill Lady Stoneheart, to give her mercy. Mother Merciless Ooh. will be wow. given mercy by, by her daughter, Mercy. That's a very cool theory and I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. I need to go and digest that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I'm full yeah. of like bullshit theories. <laughs> like, oh, I love it. I know it I just sounds it. good. <laughs> Give me more. I want more. That yeah, I've never thought about that. I thought she would have it, but maybe just to fight the others, but I've never thought of her what else she could her do. Own mother. Mm-hmm. I think she'll kill Cat, yeah. Wow. Dude. Mm-hmm. And so cuz obviously we've got Dark Sister, apparently Egon or Fegon has Blackfire. Uh, Blackfire. One other weapon that I want to check with you, it's just maybe think of it. Where do you think Robert Baratheon's Warhammer is? Probably somewhere in King's Landing. Because it's mentioned a few times. But it's not Valerian Steel or anything. No, but I do think Gendry will end up with will wield Robert's it. Warhammer. That'd be interesting. I like it. He does already like prefer to fight with a hammer. So he be... does. Yeah. I just wondered, because cool. it's mentioned a few times in A Game of Thrones, and then mm-hmm. we never see where his Warhammer is again and what happened to it. No one mentioned yeah. it. But I do no. wonder if um, one of the Baratheon bastards, like Gendry or Edric, Edric Storm... I can't see Edric doing it. He's a little too... Little too. He's too little, isn't he? But maybe Gendry. Yeah, he's just also not trained in it. He has no interest in it. There we go. I think that's all of my kind of wanting to look further into the future things mm-hmm. that was fun so yeah that's the first we're done the first three chapters of fire and blood there we go first three we'll down on to yeah then we'll be moving on the to sons, sons of the, of the dragon, dragon. Mm-hmm. that's a good one though it's a good story dark and dirty and it gets meatier too it's a lot less summarizing and a lot more storytelling so that's exciting yeah 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 definitely yeah Cool. Have you got anything you'd like to finish with, sign off with? Oh, really? Thanks for being patient with us with this episode. As we mentioned at the beginning, we, we had a few bumps in the road to get here, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but it was never for a lack of wanting no. to get back and, and chat no. about these books. This is actually our third attempt at recording. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so we've had, we've yeah. had some technical issues. We've had all sorts of things go on. Mm-hmm. We have. Yeah. And I nearly thought Tis that our last bonus episode wouldn't make it out because I thought there were technical oh problems with that. I was like, oh my God, yeah. it's not going to make it. Had... I nearly cried a few yeah. times, but we're oh. okay. <laughs> we're all right. We made it. <laughs> we made, we it. made it. Do you have a sign off? Yeah, I don't know. Just, I really enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. And there's so, I'm, I'm really enjoying reading Fire and Blood because it's just so much to pick apart so many rabbit yes. holes and i'm enjoying i'm enjoying my rabbit hole me too well, me too yeah. i'm glad i'm glad that we did this instead yeah. of jumping into the main series it's fun i like yeah it, it is it is yeah. and we are very much experts on these last two chapters because we've read them a million <laughs> yes, times to record. read them a million times to <laughs> so prepare for the millions of times you're about fire and blood can they please do be about these two chapters yeah (laughs) we could answer pretty much anything yeah exactly yeah i'm looking forward to the next one all about anies Mm -hmm. or anus yes and we are planning to record that uh in a in a roughly two weeks yeah i've got jury duty so hopefully (laughs) i've just been sent my letter so i'll tell you all about that i better not put it on a podcast (laughs) probably against not the, that's <laughs> yeah. against the law let me tell you about the trial i went to today oh my god <laughs> so 
Yeah, so I, we're going to work around that. So we'll figure out a time to be able to mm-hmm. to record around yes. me doing jury duty. Yes, and me being back in school. They'll take one look at me and go, she's crazy. <laughs> no, they'll be like, she's the most intelligent person in the room. We cannot have her on this jury. <laughs> Shall I do what Liz Lemon does and go, I think she, in 30 Rock, she dresses up like Princess Leia. And she oh says, God. I can't be on a jury because of my Jedi powers. Oh my God, yes, do that. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Bring a lightsaber okay. and everything. Yeah, I'll put like, I'll have Dami- Danish pastry hair. Perfect. Yeah, get like, a cinnamon roll. Yeah, one each side. In fact, I'll just stick a cinnamon roll to each side of my head just to add to <laughs> Just the add to it. Like, ooh, she's yeah. a bit off her face, isn't she? She's yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Lovely. We're well, it has been an absolute joy to record this with you. Yes, and I'm sorry for being, uh, for talking too much. I'm always... You don't. Stop. <laughs> no. Talking. There's no talking too much. We're on a podcast. We're here to talk. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. the point. That is that's the, the point. point. It would be yeah. really bad if we sit, sat and said nothing. <laughs> yeah. Just three hours of dead air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, well, Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, we shall sign off from Kissed by Fire. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you in a few weeks' time, lovely people. Yes, we will. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.